Hey Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 112. Yeehaw. One day I shall come back. Oh dear. We are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. Howdy-do-who fans. Welcome to the show. It's really funny because every time you... um, we're going through that intro clip i always look at adam because i know he's going to start laughing at the um at the 11th doctor <laughs> the matt smith uh that we perceive as like the drunken <laughs> the, you know the drunken on the lash 11th doctor like screaming because it, it fits so perfectly that idea that it he's does. been like you know down in that uh cavern uh underground tomb whatever it is place underneath stonehenge is I've just got visions of him being down there for weeks and the only thing he's got is alcohol there's no yeah. food or water it's just like you know endless bottles of vodka or whatever it is and then when they turn up he's just completely out of his face <laughs> every <laughs> man's <laughs> dream <laughs> yeah. so uh, yes welcome to episode 112 hope you guys have had a fantastic week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives there's been a quite a few um uh, bits and bobs released over the last week mm. for our upcoming uh, Christmas special, um, Series 10, and Class, which we'll get into shortly, which is all interesting stuff. And it kind of, it's kind of, it's almost like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, because we've had such a big break now uh, since Doctor Who was last on the TV, you know, when we start seeing trailers and, you know, pictures and behind the scenes and stuff like that, and because we're we're plowing through October quite quickly. It's mm. almost like the light is drawing nearer with every day that goes past because it has been a bloody long break. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you if it's, if it, if it started to feel like, you know, you're getting withdrawal symptoms yet. I think because we fill it with watching classic dot two, it doesn't seem so bad to me somehow, but I know what you mean. It does feel like ages. Um, you know, like you said, so we've had any doctor and it is nice to see on the horizon, you know, <laughs> some good stuff coming our way. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause, well, for you and I, it's been fine, really, because, mm. you know, every week we're going back and watching, you know, um, Classic Who and, and the newer stuff each week. Yeah. So it's been OK. I don't I feel the same as you in terms of um, uh, people sort of feeling the drought, you know, the, the hiatus and stuff. It's been um, it's been all right. And you and I have obviously done other stuff. We've been out to conventions and we've always got a steady stream of, you know, tat turning up you know at the door so it's been okay but i know people that have been you know really struggling with it really yeah, sort of yeah. down in the dumps and oh my god it feels like forever since doctor who's been on and so i, I do get that though it is um it is a it is a, a really long time it feels like since we had a new 
episode of Who. Mm. On the I box. remember when they said it was going to not be on the show. I remember, the, first of all, when the rumours started circulating, and I didn't believe it, actually. So I was just thinking, no, I can't have a whole year without Doctor Who. And then it became true. <laughs> and I was like thinking, oh, wow, that's quite shocking. And that takes us back to the dark ages of the hiatus. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, the actually, dark it's... Yeah, like you said, it's not been too bad because we just it does give it a chance to breathe and hopefully they've, you know, got their shizzle together uh, for <laughs> Series 10 and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, hopefully the break will do them good. And it also, I think it does build up the anticipation because, um, you know, you always want something when it's not there. So I, was, I wouldn't say I was getting bored with Dot 2 by any means. I still look forward to it every week. But in a way, it's quite nice to have this break because it does mm-hmm. build up that anticipation for a new series a bit more than perhaps it normally would i think yeah. yeah absolutely mate and it was it was quite tough wasn't it when um they decided to do that that break in the series mm-hmm. was it the matt smith was it seven oh, series seven, series seven yeah. yeah when they did it in two blocks so i didn't like that that was bad wasn't it yeah i didn't like that at all that was ridiculous and so i i thought that you know that having you know almost a year off would be torture because I remember the break in series seven being, mm. you know, quite uh, laborious. It was like, come on, yeah. come on. So, but it hasn't been bad for us anymore. And I, th- I think the the guys at Big Finish were just sort of like, you know, clapping their hands with glee, thinking, right, guys, time for us to step up this year. You know, you know, fill that gap. Which they, to be fair to them, they have been churning out so many releases. Um, they have been doing quite well, I think, at filling in. Um, you know, with the Doctor Who, especially as they've got more new series uh, licensed stuff at the moment. So that's been quite good. Yes. Mm. yes. In fact, I finally, finally got round to listening to the um, the last story in the old Doctors and slightly new monsters <laughs> the other day. You know, the McGann and, uh, yeah. McGann yeah. and the Sontaran one. Yeah, I finally got round to listening to that. And that seems to be the one that people weren't that impressed with and yet i actually quite enjoyed it because it goes bangs on about the time war quite a lot doesn't it yeah um yeah but so i won't say too much about it because i don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't listened to it but yeah so i I found it quite quite an easy little listen that one i quite enjoyed it it's not bad actually is it Mm. not bad i think the the thing with that box set um the uh classic doctors new monsters um it's um I think it's a it's a good introduction into that wave of stories because it doesn't go it doesn't sort of blow its stack early and then volume mm. two's like well that's is going to be like well that's nothing compared to what we had in you know in volume one I just yeah. think it's a nice dip in the toe in the water bunch of stories if you know what I mean yeah I do, yeah I know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah. it's it's a good little release I wouldn't say it's outstanding but it's a nice like you said mm. it's a nice little starter. Um, I've, I've realized I've got a bit of a backlog actually. I've, I've still got a couple of, I've still got a series, well, the second box set of units I haven't even touched yet. Um, cause I, I bought the first one out of curiosity and it was okay. Mm. It was all right. It was enough to make me think I'll get the second one, but, but I haven't even touched that yet. Um, I've got a Philip Hinchcliffe volume two to listen to, um, which I've heard is not that good, but obviously it's Tom Baker. So I've, you know, I'm sure I'd be enjoyable. Um, and I've got a Cyberman box set that come through ages ago that I've still got to listen to. Big Finish have just released so much stuff this year. Um, it's they really have. hard to keep up with. And some releases I haven't haven't actually bought because um, just because of the the cash, really. Do you know what I mean? There mm-hmm. is stuff that I'd love to get. Um, what did they release recently? Oh, they released a nice set of the 
what was it? The Doctor Who. All the Doctors did like one story. I forgot. Destiny of the Doctors. That's what I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. They they were sort of released individually, and Big Finish have just reissued them in a nice little collected set. Um, I've got them all, but I think it came with an extra making of, which kind of appealed to me, and it was in a nice shiny box. But I managed to resist getting it because I've got <laughs> half of them anyway. Um, but that looks quite nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah talking of Big Finish, um, uh, Spotify have updated their. Oh yeah, their range and there's loads on there now. I um, saw, hmm. yeah, and uh, I listened to the 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 first uh, Jago and Lightfoot story uh, yesterday, in fact, and um, that has sort of confirmed to me that we should be listening to that, mate. Yes, I saw yeah. your tweet actually this morning about it. Well, I know you tweeted yesterday, but I only saw it this morning saying that they'd added that. Is, mm. is it just the first series they've got on there? No, they've got um, all of them. Oh, really? Amazing. Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that is one series I've been wanting to get into for ages. Yeah. But again, they're already on series, what is it, 12 now? Yes. So I yeah. felt like I was a bit too far behind to just start buying the box, you know, box sets up in bulk. But yeah, that is a set I'd like to get hold of. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. The thing with Spotify is the if you, if you do a search for um, just Doctor Who, but then if you, instead of just going and looking at all sort of various albums and stuff, if you look for the artist, um, Doctor Who, um, it's got like a little sort of certified tick on it. So I assume that's a BBC account or whoever manages the soundtracks and stuff it must be. Um, yeah. And they've got loads of albums and it's all um, it's all big finish and everything like that. But then there's another section where they've made playlists. So if you click on the playlists that they've created, that's got all the additional um, box sets and stuff and you can find the Jago and Lightfoot in there um, but oh, they've right. got more mates really good really good story well, well one, one of the other series I've I've heard is good but I've not got yet is uh, I know the Torchwood releases have been quite received quite well um, but I have just pre-ordered the Torchwood Archive release that's coming out next month because I thought you know I haven't got any of the series yet I'll go back and get them at some point. But Torchwood Ar- Archive sounds quite interesting. I think it's like a celebration of of Torchwood, rather, you know, <clears throat> so like a stand standalone release, I think. So I've pre-ordered that. I'm quite looking forward to hearing it. Yes. Yeah. I want to get into the talk. I haven't listened to any of the um, uh, Torchwood Big Finish stuff mm. yet, so um, that's on the list. Same here. Sure. I've heard they're good. Yeah, it's just once again, just so much coming out. I can't afford it at the minute. But, yeah, we'll we'll get them. I hear you, at man. At some point, I hear yeah. you. They're just releasing so much this year. It's it's tough to to keep up unless you've got deep pockets and plenty mm. of time. But um, yeah, get the ironing on, mate. Get that on. You'll <laughs> I was actually ironing. I was I was <laughs> actually listening to what I was ironing. Absolutely true story. Um, I was uh, talking of money and big finish though. I saw a tweet from you. I think it was yesterday or the day before. I forget now. Saying something about. I cannot resist a certain thing. And I thought, has he given in and, and bought it? Has he? And I am, of course, talking about the Chimes of Midnight vinyl. Oh, mate. Did you give in and get it? No. I, oh. I didn't give in. I was so close I as well. to come to the trailer because I saw you'd watch the trailer for it or something and you were just like, oh, I can't resist. Yeah. I, I, do you know what, mate? The finger was hovering over that button for so long. And they released that little trailer as well where it's got some yeah. nice clips and you see that awesome new cover art and oh, I, was like, beauty. Oh, I was like oh man mm. don't do this because i was already contemplating it and then they put that out i was thinking just don't do this to me now so i went <laughs> onto the website i had it there queued up i was like no no i've got to conserve some cash because 
we've potentially got Polarity Day coming up if we get tickets. And yep. um, I want to do a couple of trips into London soon. So I was like, no, I just need to conserve a bit of cash. And I, I know, I know I'm going to regret it because once it's gone, it's going to go for silly money after that on eBay or something. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, I just can't. I just need to be sensible. Got my sensible. It's like Wurzel Gamage. I've got my sensible head on. Mm. You know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. see. Yeah. Do you know it's surprising actually, considering that the the amount of Doctor Who merchandise has reduced this year due to the due to the show not being on air. It's surprising how many things I want to get at the moment, and and like you, just sort of thinking I can't afford it. Um, and I've been really mm. <laughs> peeved off actually because I I love the Robert Harrop, Harrop stuff. Mm. Um, and I've been checking us all the time, and every time I get paid, I'm thinking, right, I'm going to get, you know, I want the Sea Devil, I want the Yeti, I want the TARDIS, I want the Zogon, there's so many on there I want. Um, I want the Malice, um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I looked at it yesterday, and the Sea Devil has now gone, because I think I said to you that it was sort of the last, they said on there, it's the last few, and I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, I must get that Sea Devil. Um, he's now gone, oh. and uh, I know, no, he's gone, so I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll treat myself to the Malice. <laughs> He's gone. Oh no, he's gone as well. So I'm just like, you know, it's so frustrating when you keep hovering over the button thinking, I'll get that next month, I'll get that, and then they go. Yeah. So don't yeah. regret it. Don't be like me in the malice. Don't, don't regret it. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, I you know what I think it's just this time of year as well. You know, mm. Crimbo's coming up and Yeah. Yeah. So it's just need to be frugal. Frugal, yeah. I think is the word. Conservative. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Anyway, so I think that sort of encapsulates what we've been up to. Pretty much, yeah. Just one last thing. Have you been reading any of your Peter Davidson book yet? Have you had time to start that yet? Uh, no, I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Not right. yet. Um, only because I picked that up in Smith's and I, I really want to get it. Um, and it was it was only £2 off, which wasn't enough. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> now, come on. Uh, it reduced it to £18, which I thought was still just a bit high. And I think it's cheaper online it's just because it was there in an actual shop that I, I was tempted to get it but uh but no you haven't had time to, to dip into that yet no not yet um it uh, i'll probably start that next week right right. probably he says yeah yeah probably next week um but i'm looking forward to it though very much so um because i think like we said about his interview in the um last month's uh, doctor who magazine he's uh i think he's got to that age now I'm not saying he's old, but I just I, he's got to that age where he just, you know, he's a lot less worried about what people think of him and his opinions and so on. He's more happy to lay it out yeah. on the line. So, um, yes, looking forward to that. Good, good stuff. Indeed. Yeah. Um, right. I think the TARDIS needs a landing. Yeah, <laughs> we've got some good bits of news to get through. Let's land it. Let's kick off with um, some big news versus, not versus, big news uh, regarding, sorry, the main show, which we can't forget about. No. Know, the reason why we're here, <laughs> you know, Doctor Who. Um, we have got our first uh, behind the scenes slash teaser slash trailer slash thing um, mm. about the upcoming Christmas special. 
um, titled The Return of Dr. Mysterio. And um, yes, so we, it, like I say, it's a, it's a sort of amalgamation of different things. It's like a little trailer about what we can expect in the story. Mm. Plus there's some behind the scenes stuff. So we see some green screeny bits and, you know, behind the cameras and all that stuff. Um, so essentially the, the moth has gone down the road of um, uh, his sort of deep love for superheroes. Um, um, you know, the old sort of classic uh, um, costumed um, super powered uh, peeps that we've seen for many years now. Um, mm. in, in cinema and stuff like that. He, he basically wants to go down that road. If, if anyone's watched um, any of the superhero programs on, on uh, I think it's the CW that do it in the US, but over here I believe it's Sky. So things like Arrow and The Flash yes, and Supergirl, yeah. you know, it's got that vibe sort of written all over it. So, yeah. you know, the, the, the character in this, um, who I'm assuming is Dr. Mysterio, um, is well actually I know that's not that's not him is it I think the, the the superhero character his badge on the front doesn't suggest that that's his name because the badge on the front is a G. Mm. Um, so, that's interesting, yeah, because I I just assumed he was Doctor Mysterio as well, but no, you're probably right. Yeah, it's a big G on the front, isn't it? Yes. Um, mm. So I'm not sure if that's a story twist where the Doctor himself, you know, has created that label or someone's labelled him as Doctor Mysterio or whatever, but. The, the the main character in this, other than the Doctor and and um, and Pearl, is uh, this superhero character who looks very very Batmany. Yeah, he's a bit Batmany. Yeah, he so reminds me a little bit of um, oh god, what's I think the Green Hornet. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, what what's the guy's name? Who's 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 the actor that's playing him? Because I don't know him, um, but apparently he has been in a few things. Um, What's his name? Is it Justin Chatwick? That's Chatwick. right. Yes. Yeah. Comedian yeah. actor plays. Oh, it's Grant. Grant. Yes. Oh, that's not a very superhero-y name. No. So that makes me think that you know, it, it, the title is aimed more at the Doctor himself. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if um, those of you that have, you know, seen in sort of high disgust, the Joel Schumacher Batman movies where the costumes are quite shiny and all that stuff, this has got that written all over it. Yeah. Um, so that, we don't know anything about the story at this point, just to point out, we don't know why this character's there. We don't know why the title is what it is, or anything like that. Um, and it does, those of you that have seen the trailer, it does have that very sort of high-budget, US-style, um, almost sort of mini-feature film feel to it. Mm. Um, we see like a very big, huge, sprawling american or canadian city looks very sort of new yorky chicago-y um loads and loads of like big um outside shots with the tardis flying around big swat teams you know guns everywhere it does look very action-packed it does it looks very festive uh snow mm -hmm. you know nardle duffel coat um yeah it it does it's it, it's I don't know. It's, it's intrigued me. I mean, when I first heard the title, Doctor Return of Doctor Mysterio, I thought, oh, what an awful title. Um, and then, of course, I realised, well, I found out, of course, it's that was how Doctor Who 
translated when it was shown in Mexico. That was, you know, that's what it was called, which then made me think, oh, okay, yeah, I quite like that. Quite mm-hmm. like the fact that Moff's done a little reference there to to the show. So I kind of like that. Um, the promo image, yeah, like you said, it it looks a bit cheesy. Um, so, but I suppose we'll let it off because it's Christmas. <laughs> um, and the trailer itself, yeah, it it looks fun. Um, I'm never, I haven't really enjoyed a, a Doctor Christmas special for years. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think I haven't yeah. really enjoyed one since since Matt took over. Unfortunately, as much as I love Matt's Doctor, um, none of them have really hit the mark for me. But I, I, I yeah, it looks okay. Like you said, it looks like it's going to be a lot of action. It looks like it's going to be silly. Um, I'll wait and see. I just don't know how I feel about a superhero in Doctor Who. I just can't help but think of the carcass in uh, in <laughs> um, the mind robber. But um, yeah. Yeah, it, it looks a bit cheesy. I just don't know. We'll see. I'm not. Yeah, it, it looks fun. I just hope it's, it's. I just hope it's not silly fun like the Husbands of River song because that silly robot drove me mad uh, in, in last year's Christmas special. I just thought it was. It, I thought it was too silly, and I hope we're not going down that same route. So yeah, but it looks fun. I hope it's fun. Yeah. So the synopsis for the story is: um, the episode will see the Doctor uh, joining forces with an investigative journalist played by Charity Wakefield and a superhero to save New York from a deadly alien threat. Mm. So it's going to be a... It will be an action-packed episode, I think. Yeah, I've just got got this vision of... It's just going to be... You know, like the Doctor kept saying, like, Santa doesn't exist and Robin Hood doesn't exist. I've just got a feeling it's going to be that again, like him with that kid. I can almost see it already. He's saying superheroes don't exist and the superhero keeps saving the day and the Doctor's sort of chasing after him and i don't know i already started to make up my own story but yeah i'm just hoping we're not going down that that yes. route again but it's nice yeah. to well, see something though it is nice to see something yeah and it was this all because everything seemed to just we've had nothing for ages you've had no trailers and stuff everything just seemed to come out all on one day mm-hmm. and is this because they are um a comic con in the u.s or something new york comic con yeah yeah because this leads us into our next bit of news is that we finally finally <laughs> mm-hmm got a class trailer all on the same day it was as if the bbc just spewed everything out in like one four-hour session or whatever and i'm i'm guessing it's because they were at this comic con so they were getting exclusives so i guess we should be grateful we got them because i think there were there have been years gone by when mm. they got them and we didn't and there was uproar um but it did seem to sort of overshadow it was almost like too much it would have been much nicer if we'd have got got these separately because I don't know about you, mate, but I think most people were talking about the class trailer. I think it completely overshadows the, the Doc Two making of trailer from, from what I was seeing. Mm, like people, I people, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, and obviously our second bit of news is that we finally got this class trailer. We got two actually. One was very Doctor heavy. It was basically all about the Doctor, and you sort of got glimpses of the characters, and that was it. The second full-length tra- trailer for Class was much better. We got to, but there was hardly any of the Doctor in it. It actually showed us some of the characters that are going to be in it. Um, kind of what I expected. I don't know about you. They're kind of how I imagined them. But it, the style of it looked good, which surprised me because I haven't been really enthralled by the bits that we've been getting from Class recently. But this trailer finally got me a little bit excited for this um, because I thought it looked good. I thought it looked quite high budget, um, quite stylish. And uh, yeah, it's it just I thought it was a good trailer myself. Um, I, I thought, right, OK, I'm on board with this. 
but it actually did for me completely overshadow the Doctor Who trailer because I, <laughs> to my amazement, I was more excited for class than the Doctor Who Christmas special after watching both trailers on the same day. Okay. What about you? Because I know you've not been excited at all for no. class, but did this trailer do anything for you now? No. Really? Yep. Why so? Because I actually thought it was a really good trailer. Yeah, I think um, that, well, it's a couple of things for me. The first one is um, it still, for me, it just, it doesn't bring anything new to the table still. Okay. For me, it still looks very like we've we've been here before with, with sci-fi in general. We've been, I, I don't know, it just seems like we've been here before and it I would have much preferred it if this wasn't related to Doctor Who. Right. Because um, I feel like it's quite grand. You know, it feels mm. like it's... Um, uh, it feels like something that would be... Well, that would benefit from having its own universe, if you like. Okay. Um, and then when we heard from... Um, um, oh, what's the, the, the guy's... Uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Ness... Um, looking at some of his tweets over the last few days he he's basically said that that the amount of cameos is going to be you know next to nothing oh uh, right because right. he doesn't like you know cameos he, we're not going to have the doctor pop up you know frequently or anything like that so that it just makes me think like you know he's had these you know quite good ideas on the surface mm. um but you know has had to be sort of packaged up in 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 the doctor who universe if you like um, so I, I feel like this could have benefited from just being a standalone thing. Yeah. Okay. But it would have worked better. Mm-hmm. So, so there's that. And you know, the whole sort of generic stuff, I just can't seem to, when I've, I've watched the trailer two or three times and mm. it just doesn't jump out at me like, wow, this is like a, a, a new show that's going to, you know, knock me off my feet and, right. you know, show me something new that I haven't seen before. It just feels like we've, we've been down this road. Um, and secondly, um, I feel like it's going to get lost a little bit being an online only show. That does worry me. Yeah. yeah. I did it. Although I'm sure it is going to be shown on the, on the actual TV eventually um, yeah. a later day. Yeah, yeah. But I know what you mean about that. Yeah. So I feel like it's just going to get gobbled up a little bit and, and, mm. and looked over. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I know that there's a big shift that's gradually happened over the last few years. Um, and that is going to, um, you know, transition even further as we, you know, into the future. So this whole thing about um, sort of terrestrial TV of sort of dying a, you know, a slow death and we're going to move over to more online stuff, you know, we've shifted more over to online viewing, you know, versus, you know, the old fashioned way, quote unquote. But I just <laughs> feel that that's, we're not quite there yet. Um, and I know there have been a couple of uh, other things that have gone online um, that have been quite successful, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like until it hits on BBC two a bit later, it's just, I just, well, put it this way. I hope that the execs at the BBC or BBC worldwide, whoever, you know, fully understands that and, and gets it. So when like the viewing figures are not going to be, you know, anywhere near what, you know, you would expect putting it out on the, you know, a prime time slot on TV and yeah. that's fine. But you know, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm trying hard not to be too, you know, negative ninny about it. I don't want to mm. be the one that's like, Oh Gary, come on. You know, and it's not a case of the glass is half full. It's uh, sort of half empty. It's just, it's not grabbing me. Mm. That's all it is. You know, I, I, when I watch it, I'm, 
I just feel very flat afterwards. Like that's interesting because this finally won me over. This this trailer, I think, because mm. it's a lot darker and grittier than than I expected. So I'm I'm hoping the series is like that because that's the thing. The reason I preferred this class trailer to the Doctor Who Christmas special is because the the class trailer sort of was more how I would like Doctor Who to be, from what I can tell. I mean, obviously, I don't know till it airs. But it just seemed much more dark. You got Faddy walking down the, or Fady, I don't know how you say his name, walking down the classroom with his blood splattered shirt, and you know it's all very jumpy, and and it just, I don't know, it seemed more gritty. And then you got the Dot Two Christmas Special, which of course is a Christmas special, but so it's going to be more light and airy and whatever. But but to me, it was just like the Dot Two Christmas Special just looks silly, and you know fun which yes it, it probably should be because it's a christmas special but it's also how the main series has started to become and mm. the class trailer looked a bit more like um sort of towards the sort of torchwood jumpy blood you know gritty um with a bit of comedy thrown in and i don't know it just it just appealed to me more and i am surprised because like you i haven't really been on board with class as much as i would have liked to have been up to now but but yeah this this trailer I thought it was all right. It, it won me over a bit. I'm I'm actually quite excited about it. I do agree with you about the online thing because I'm, and this is probably just showing my age. I'm not one for watching stuff online. Whereas I know, <laughs> I know most people around a sort of certain age, you know, 16 to 20 to whatever, you know, will sit and watch YouTube videos all day on their laptops and films on their laptops and Netflix and and whatever. But it's just yeah, I'm I'm much more one for sitting down and watching it on the good old box you know yeah so i agree with you about the online thing but um but no i thought i thought the trailer was good um yeah i'm i'm, I'm quite looking forward to it i mean the first episodes well actually the first two episodes isn't it are going out on saturday the 22nd mm-hmm. so what's that is that two weeks a week by the time this podcast go out that'll be the following next saturday. weekend yeah, yeah yeah so we haven't got long and um yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite looking forward to, to the first two. I'll, I'm definitely going to be watching these when they when they go out because I just want to see where we're going with it. I'm a bit more – it's pulled me in a little bit more, whereas okay. the Christmas special yeah. trailer was just exactly what I was expecting, to be honest. It's <laughs> just, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure um, – yeah, we'll definitely do like a mini review. Oh, yes. On, on the podcast after that weekend. So, yeah, a week, uh, two weeks today if you're listening to it on Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so two weeks today, we'll give you guys what our thoughts on it, I guess. Um, but yes, and the other thing as well that really drives me nuts about these uh, any sort of film or TV series which stars um, secondary school or high school people is that you can tell that the the actors playing them are like four or five years older than what they should <laughs> yes, be. Yes, that is true. Yeah, so, yeah um, I agree. Yeah, you know. I, <laughs> anyway, let, let's stop the let's stop this. Let, let's look forward to. Um, Let's look forward to it going out and uh, we'll we'll see. Again, it's we'll, one of those we we'll will see. see. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna do for news. Oh don't. no, hang on. no, no, don't miss out the best piece of news ever. Oh, hold on. What am I talking about? Well, not ever, but it's certainly a very, <laughs> very welcome piece of series ten news. Of course, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I got ahead of myself there. Right. Last bit of news, which is awesome, yes. Um fans of the uh, fans of Classic Coup. We'll welcome this with open arms. Uh, one of the writers from Classic Who uh, is coming back to write an episode for Series 10. But we don't know who. 
<laughs> we don't know yeah see i i was i'm just so excited about this bit of news as soon as, soon as i heard this i was like oh, my mind is going into overdrive trying to think who it is so so let's have a guessing game who do you reckon um, I, i'm i'm gonna i'm just gonna throw this out there i'm gonna say rob sherman yeah i've got I'd love i'd love it if it was rob sherman okay i've got a guess uh ben uh aronovich yes another great ge- yeah see if it was either of those two wow i'm gonna be you, you're going to be getting me back on board. I'll be excited if it's one of those two. I'll I, tell you now. I, I've got my money on Ben because he's been very popular of late, the last year or so, with his Rivers of London stories. Y- yes, um, which are really good. And what was that he wrote on for TV year before last? I can't remember. He wrote, oh, what was it? It got reviewed really well anyway, whatever the last thing he, he wrote for on TV. Um, but my money's on him because he's just been quite active the last year or so. Um. So yeah, but you think um, Ron Sherman? Well, actually, you've no, you've you've. I was hoping Rob Sherman, Rob but Sherman, now sorry. you've said Banner on of it. I'm torn between the two. To be honest, I'd be happy with either of them. Um, I'd love to. Both of them would be great. Let's get them both on board for Series Ten and really make something of it. But but yeah, either of those would be fantastic. Um, yeah. I think it's more likely to be someone like that because, you know, you think sort of as I absolutely love Terence Dix as a writer, but we know from talking to um, our mate Mr. Andy that he's he's still very much um on the ball but not you know he's not so um he's not because i think they wanted him to write one of the leper shirt novels and he i don't think he he could do it for some reason so i doubt it's yeah. him um as much as i'd love to see terence come back um yeah so i think those two are good shouts um who have we actually got confirmed for series 10 because the reason i'm so excited about this is because i don't think i've been very excited up to now because we've got so far confirmed for series 10 Frank Cottrell Boyce, who wrote the absolutely atrocious uh, in the Forest of the Night, mm-hmm. or the Forest, or whatever it's called. Uh, Sarah Dollard actually is on board, and I did really enjoy Face the Raven, so I'm hoping for something good from her. Mark Gatis, Gatis is that's just, a fifty-fifty, isn't it? Whether he's, he's a, just on the ball or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Mike Bar- Bartlett, uh, Mark, Bar- Mike Bartlett. Yep. Yeah, who's best known for writing Doctor Foster? Oh, that depressing. <laughs> Yeah, Christ. So well. nobody there is really getting me excited, apart from Sarah Dollard. She's um, cool. Yeah, we heard her speak. We didn't like we? her. Yeah, Whip we like her a lot. Mm. So out of all those writers, yeah, not not nothing great there. So mm. this is exciting news. I think that we're getting a classic series writer. I was thinking Andrew Cartmel, but of course he never actually wrote. Well, he kind of did chip in. He chipped the in. But he's not yeah. like an official. It wasn't named as a writer on any of the episodes. So. Yeah, I was thinking maybe it could be him, but perhaps him and Ben. Imagine that, an episode of him and Ben writing it. That'd be amazing. That'd be cool, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that this kind of um, sort of tenuous link because um, I remember reading in Andrew's book, uh, The Script Doctor, that he was at an event of some sort with Stephen yes. Moffat and he did say, you know, you should bring back this person and this person to write for new Doctor Who. And the Moff just laughed in his face. Yes, yeah, so sorry, he didn't take any notice. He was just not, he thought, yeah, he sort of just laughed it off in a nervous, <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, <laughs> yeah, <then." laughs> we might do that. Yeah, and then, then when he's back, turned like, what a lunatic. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I think um, Andrew's been championing this theory for a while to bring back some of the great, you know, story writers from classic. And well, the, the more, sorry, the more you think about it, the more you think, well, why not? Because, yeah. you know, especially someone. Like Ben, um, uh, uh, who wrote um, a couple of really good stories for the McCoy era. Um, 
I'm not sure Battlefield is Battlefield. I wouldn't say it's you know yeah, one of the yeah. greats, but you know it's still a story a, wise was okay. A good story, yeah. and then Remembrance of the Daleks, which I'm going to keep buttoned right, yeah. on until <laughs> our re re review. But you know, really, really good writer, really good. Yes, and also Andrew Cartmel did say when we chatted to him in our interview, didn't he, that Ben's had this amazing idea for a story for years now. I think this is what he he said he went up to them off to try and tell him. He's like Ben's got this amazing idea for a story. You've got to do this, mm-hmm. and. um and obviously he's keeping his lips sealed and, and the moth didn't really take any interest. But it would be amazing if he's actually th- sort of woke up and thought, oh, I've just remembered. Yeah, that, that Ben Rodrovich, he's got a good idea. You know, let's get him on board. So we'll see. My money's on him. Yeah. So um, this was another little tidbit that came out of New York Comic Con. So this was one of the panels um, that the moth was on and he sort of spilled this bit of news um, quite intentionally, which is fine. But he's still tight lipped <laughs> on who it is. Did you did you watch any of the panels? No. Okay, I just wondered because I, there's been quite a few recently and, and I couldn't get hardly any of them to play when they were going out live. It was a bit of a disaster. Like there was one on uh, through the BBC site but through Amazon or something and it was it just wouldn't play. But the, the reason I mention it is because there was one funny bit. It was literally I caught the last 30 seconds of a panel. I don't know where it was or what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would ask Peter Capaldi... <laughs> Peter Capaldi, what he gains from watching the other Doctors in terms of his performance, yeah. you know, because obviously he's a Doctor Who fan himself. And Peter said, and I think without thinking, you know, when you just say something that you is on your head and then you think, oh, hang on, I probably should have worded that different. <laughs> he said, well, what I take from it is perhaps, you know, making a story good that's not necessarily good. So get, getting something, you know, a story that's perhaps a bit below par yeah. and turning it around. And I think he was referring to sort of like some of the Peter Davis' stories where <laughs> the Doctor's great, but the story's not. And then Pete, um, and then the moth was just like, well, cheers for that, Stephen. And he's like, well, no, I'm not saying, you know, and he sort <laughs> of backtracked a bit, but I think, the cat was out the bag. It sort of basically said, you know, even if the story's not great, I try and make it great, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I thought, well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but the mothball's face was a picture. Well, do you know what? That's um, that doesn't surprise me about uh, uh, Capaldi at all because he seems like the sort of guy that's just on the ball with everything to do with the show. You know, he doesn't just yeah. turn up and do it and go home. It's it sounds like, or it looks like anyway, because he's such a huge fan. Um, that he's really, you know, he he gets it. He he understands when he gets the scripts. He can probably see quite early on if this is going to be a a great story or a not so great one. Mm. So I can absolutely see what he's saying. And we've said it so many times, haven't we, about previous stories that we've reviewed? Where, and unfortunately, it does seem to apply just to a few doctors. Um, I'm thinking about Matt Smith and Peter Davison, off the top of my head. But they have mm. they're such great actors. And really good as the Doctor, but the story isn't there, mm. you know. Um, so I can see what he's saying. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And also, he's not afraid to sort of speak his mind, Peter. He's, ne- he's never rude, but he's—I he, think probably the Scottishness in him is, you know, he's quite frank and to the point sometimes. And mm-hmm. I've heard him—I uh, think it was the Deep Breath premiere where him and Stephen Moffat was. No, I would—I would say borderline arguing properly about the Mondas <laughs> Cyberman. Peter was really. St- standing his ground you know he wasn't taking i was thinking you're talking to your uh your boss there peter he's like yeah well just bring him back uh just bring him back Stephen, and stop messing around or something like that you know and, and i was just thinking yeah you know go capaldi so i like the fact that he's you know not afraid to speak his mind sort of thing because yeah. he's clear you know he's he's a doctor who fan he's passionate about his doctor he wants it to be as best as it's he it can be so i just love the fact that in interviews he 
is so honest about it, about where he would like the show to go, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Good old Capaldi. Good old Capaldi, yeah. And that really is going to do for the news. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. Unless you're going to pull something else out. No, that's right. it. Let's get them. Let's get them pesky Daleks in. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Adam. Yes. Gary. Are, you, are you a fan of the Mister Men? I am actually. <laughs> I do love the Mister Men. Well, it's a good job you say that. Because there's some uh, quite interesting books coming out. Um, uh, I'm going to say soon-ish, next maybe year. next year. Yep. Early next year, yeah. Yeah, so we've got this quite awesome little mashup coming out um, where um, Puffin Books, um, who I'm not sure if they were the original publisher of the Mr. Men books from very long time ago, before I was born, I believe. Um, I think the Mr. Men, doesn't it go back to the 70s? Oh, it must do, because I, yeah, it must do, yeah. Yeah, so I remember I'm, having these when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, so um, uh, the the long-time kids' favourite, the Mr. Men, have teamed up uh, with BBC um, to bring out a, a series of mashup books where mm. the, the, the Mr. character um, is actually each Doctor, and they've been renamed to Doctor and then... Uh, the their name is just their number so uh, for the 11th doctor for example the book is called doctor 11th um mm. doctor 4th doctor 12th doctor 1st and so on and so on um and i think this is fantastic because this is a great way for sort of the 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 younger kids out there to be um sort of educated you know as to who the doctor is and what doctor mm. who is from a really early age, before they even think about watching an episode of Doctor Who, it would go straight over their heads, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think this is absolutely brilliant. So like you say, next year, uh, there's going to be um, uh, a, a range of um, uh, three stories, um, which is going to go out for like the little kiddies, the very, very small ones. Um, and then later on after that, there's going to be um, uh, 12 of the proper Mr. Men books that go out featuring one of each doctor. Yeah. I absolutely love this. I, when I saw this pop up on the merch site yesterday, I just thought that's brilliant. I love it. I know, I know it's not going to appeal to everyone, but I'm glad you like it as well. Cause I wondered, you know, we're of similar age. I'm mildly older, but, <laughs> but I probably like you remember having Mr. Men books when I was a kid. Um, I used to absolutely love them. Uh, I used to love the cartoon as well. I used to with yep. Arthur Lowe doing the voice, and mm -hmm. um, so I thought this was wonderful. Actually, uh, like you said, I think it'll be really great for kids. It'll be really great for big kids like me mm -hmm. and you. And uh, yeah, it's just really great. I, I, what a lovely idea! Yeah, and it's hard to um, it, it's hard to sort of describe um, you know in audio, but you really have to see you know the the designs because part of the charm of the whole mr men thing is how cool the characters look yeah um and it's got that icon and they haven't changed it one bit so the if you've if you've ever seen the original mr men books or the cartoons um the design for the doctor who characters as the as the mr men that they fit into that world just so perfectly they haven't changed the font you know the 
the colors they're all it's all there so it looks absolutely brilliant so um i'd be happy to see this go through to sort of a bunch of mini cartoons yeah with each would. doctor yeah yeah that would be amazing yeah I love um, the designs. They're so simple, like I said, and they just fit perfectly with the old Mr. Men style. It's it's just, I'm kind of flabbergasted by them. <laughs> I just think it's such a simple, brilliant mashup. I, I love it. Yeah. Good, good stuff. So that's coming next year at some point. Yeah, next year. Yeah. We'll be getting those. Right. In other merch news, um, Doctor Who colouring books are surprisingly popular at the moment um they, <laughs> apparently they actually sell really well i know that because on the merch site um somebody who was less than impressed said oh why another dr coloring book and the author and the guy on the side was like because they are selling surprisingly well um, which is good news and there's a new one coming out and it's called doctor who the target coloring book now i haven't got much detail on this you haven't got a cover or anything because it's not out to april next year but we're assuming it, it's going to be some of the original target covers which were fantastic weren't they they were great i believe so, it, so. yeah I yeah think so it, if yeah. it is that that would be brilliant well i would say it has to be because the target books there isn't any other illustrations associated with them other than the covers no right yeah you know so it's not um they're not illustrated books so it has to be the um the covers right i, I think it's got to be yeah, yeah i certainly hope so yeah I, like you i can't think what else it would be so um, I, I actually will definitely get this. I probably won't colour it in. I'll just get one and keep it. Um, but that that is quite an interesting, again, a bit of a mashup. So, yeah, it's out April April next year, I think. Yes. April next year, so that'd be good. Then I've been yeah. um, going through um, the other Doctor Who colouring book that they brought out a while ago now. I think it was earlier this year mm. or last year. Um, that's really cool. So, But you and I are huge fans of the Target covers. So, Oh, I love them. It's yeah. going to be ace to... Um, to, to colour through those good stuff yeah uh, last up for merch we have um, uh, fans that have been collecting the Eagle Moss figurine collection now I've I've never bought one of these um, yeah. you know I don't own any of the um, the Eagle Moss stuff but you would have seen if you go into Forbidden Planet or whatever you would have seen you know racks and racks of the Eagle Moss is it fortnightly or monthly fortnightly Oh, I'm not sure actually. No, it might. Well, I don't know. Can't remember. Anyway, there's they do a little figurine <laughs> collection. I think it's about eight or nine centimeters high, and then you get like a magazine with it and so on. That's um, it. But one thing that they they have um, that they do sell um, alongside the little figurines um, that they had that they've brought out uh, a little while ago is this what's called this mega statue, and. Um, it's a little bit pricey. So the one that they that they currently sell is the um, is the modern looking sort of bronze Dalek figure mm. um, from the um, the modern Doctor Who. So it's got like the bigger base around the bottom, and it's you know it's a slightly different design, um, but it is taller now. Um, Adam and I had a laugh earlier when we were talking about this before we recorded that they call it the mega statue. <laughs> Now, just to put that into a little bit of perspective, when they say mega, we say, um, I'm not standard, sure. standard, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, yeah, like I said, the normal figurines, I'm sure they're about 10 centimeters high ish. Yeah. Yeah. No roughly, bigger than yeah. that. So the mega statue is 23 centimeters high. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine that's probably, you know, just shy of a, a school ruler, which is what 30 centimeters. 
Yeah. So um, it's not huge. When I when I first read the headline before seeing the details, I assumed it would be like a you know a three foot high, uh, you know, quite a large thing, but twenty three centimeters. But on the plus side, um, the detail does look very very good. Yeah, it do look nice. Um, yeah. Which is understandable because at eighty five quid, what you would expect, you know, you would expect the detail to be to be. It's not eighty five quid, is it? Well, the one that they sell at the moment, the bronze Dalek wow. statue, is eighty four ninety nine. So, you know, wow. the detail is, you know, regardless of how you, you know, what you guys think of the price and everything like that, the detail is very, very good. It's hand painted. You know, it's it's a met, it's a, it's an actual, you know, it, it just it looks good. It looks good. It does look good. I'm just shocked by the price because I was thinking of getting this. I hadn't really looked into it too much because. Um, uh, I've got a few, none of the pages are found, but I've got a few Eagle Moss figures. Um, they're very hit and miss, Eagle Moss. Some of them are really good, and some of them are quite average, straight bad. But when they're good, they're good. And the ones, because I don't subscribe to it, I just buy the ones that I like. Um, and when they are good, I really do like the ones that I've got. Um, I never, ever buy from Eagle Moss Direct because I've had, they are... I'm sorry to say, the worst company I've <laughs> ever, ever dealt with um, in terms of ordering. So I never buy from them direct anymore. Um, I had so many problems with them last year. And uh, if you go on their Facebook page and Twitter, they're just a nightmare. They might have sorted themselves out a bit now, so I don't want to sort of put them down too much. But, yeah, I, I, was, I tend to get mine from Forbidden Planet, and they're not great, but, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but, but I, yeah, I tend to get a lot of my Eagle Moss stuff from Forbidden Planet. Um and their figures are, are are quite good actually. I I, hmm. I must admit I think the price of these is a bit a bit much because like you said maybe if it was the giant mega Dalek that we were thinking it was I might spend eighty five quid but yeah not too sure hmm. not sure about it. but they do look nice I agree with you they do look nice they do a um, like one that's very similar to like a a movie Dalek a chase like the chase Daleks hmm. uh, the blue silver and gold which I absolutely love I don't know if it's in this mega range. Um, I think no. it was like a subscriber special thing, which looks beautiful, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's quite hard to get hold of. Yeah. yeah. Well, the actual the the focus of this uh, news uh, bit of merch story is actually the new Mega Dalek that they've got coming out next year. Mm. Um, so it's the same um, size and stuff as the bronze one that they currently do. It falls under that Mega uh, category, um, but it's the um, it's the silver and blue Dalek from um, Dead Planet. Dead Planet, yeah. Which is the first Doctor's, um, which is the first Doctor story, isn't it? Yes. If memory serves, yeah. So it's, um, uh, yeah. So it's one of the original Scar uh, dialects from Scardo. Mm. Um, so which looks okay. Um, I've seen a couple of the close-up photos. It looks pretty good. Initially, I thought, wow, that doesn't look that good. But then I sort of cottoned on a bit, and I thought, well, how, you know, it, it's screen accurate. And the Daleks that were on screen, you know, back in the sixties, um, the paint job wasn't fantastic. So they were a lot more basic in design, weren't they? Exactly, so, yeah. So yeah. Eagle Moss have been quite clever with that. They haven't made, you know, a, a beautifully painted, you know, futuristic looking, you know, silver and blue Dalek. They've they've done it in the same style as you would see it on the screen. Yeah. So um, it looks pretty good. Um, we'll probably probably debate the price point at some point um but yes i can't see me or many other people paying nearly 100 quid for a, a 
a 23-centimeter uh, statue, collectible, mm. figurine, whatever you want to call it. But there we go. At least it's, um, you know, at least it the detail is good and they're not just trying to sell something that's what they deem as not worth the price, I guess. Yeah, yeah, true. Mm. So there we go. Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> Eagles. And you can get 10% off as well um, if you order before the end of the year, so up to the 31st of December. Um, if you use the code EagleMoss10, uh, you'll get, uh, what was it, £8.50 off? Yeah. Yeah, so that might be, that might appease the uh, the cheaper side of your brain, <laughs> I suppose. But anyway, there we go. N- not me, it won't. But anyway, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's merch. News and merch done and dusted. Um, yeah. Right. Um, Adam, what are we going to do this week for our classic review? Classic review, Fifth Doctor Story, two-parter, The Awakening. Listen to Colonel Wolsey. Concentrate your thoughts. You must break free from the malice. Free? Why, I'm his willing servant. And slave. He only wants you for one thing. You're mistaken. He's offered me enormous power. Malice is here for one reason. To destroy. It's the only thing it knows how to do. Now listen to the doctor. Ah! I don't believe you! Without you, the malice is helpless. Through you, it feeds on the fear and anger generated through the war games. Once it's strong enough, it will destroy you! No! George, your village is in turmoil. You're pointing a gun at a man who is a friend. That's the true influence of the malice. Can't you feel the hate and rage inside your head? Think back! Did you have such feelings before you activated that thing? I, I, I don't... I, I don't... No! Oh, the music's going mad in that scene, isn't it? Oh dear. <laughs> yes, right. How's the doozy then? <laughs> so, The Awakening, um, which was a cheeky little two-parter, mm. which we rarely see um, in Classic Who, um, that came out in January 1984. Mm. It was written by Eric Pringle, uh, directed by uh, Michael Morris, and um, was overseen by John Nathan Turner. Mm. Um, and the music that you so kindly commented on um, was the uh, the famous Peter Howell. Yes. Indeed. So um, the Awakening sees uh, the Doctor uh, with Tegan and Turlow um, land um, in the English countryside in uh, 1984, um, but it has been amalgamated with 1960, sorry, 19, sorry, get all words out, uh, amalgamated with 1643, uh, there is a, a sort of supernatural, uh, horrible, uh, demony, devil-type character that has resided in the the village of Little Hodcombe, and uh, via the power of psychic energy, is controlling the villagers um, as they engage in a recreation of. Um, uh, a huge battle that took place many uh, centuries before. So they were, uh, they're having loads of fun with these war games, um, but little do they know that the malice is controlling uh, sort of the head honcho, uh, Sir George Hutchinson, um, and uh, they're essentially just going to destroy everything, which they don't know about. They think it's just fun and games. Uh, but a couple of villagers do actually know what's going on. They're not They're not into the story, but they get sort of dragged in anyway. And then it's up to the doctor <laughs> um, and those guys to uh, to sort of sort the malice out, 
return everybody to sanity and at the same time find Tegan's granddad. Yes, Andrew Verney. Andrew Verney, yeah. I just want to see my granddad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that is the malice. Um, And like I said, it's a a, a little two-parter that we rarely see. Mm. And I'm not sure how I feel about this one being a two-parter because we rarely say this, but I think this could have been a four-parter. Certainly, yeah. Certainly a three or four. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. At least a three, Mm. because I think that if they would have gone a bit more into the the history side of things and also um, delved a bit more into Tegan's grandfather... Um, we could have had a bit more of a fleshed out story. So um, what do you think to this? What, what do you think to this as a story squeezed into into a couple of parts? Um, I, I, I actually really like this one. I really like The Awakening. But there are so many things that are unclear and not really explained that well that it definitely needed that third part, if mm. not fourth. Um, because part one, I think, is brilliant. It's classic Doctor Who. It's full of questions and mystery mm-hmm. and, and you know, and the performances are good and everything. But we get to episode two after what I think is quite a good cliffhanger. Great zoom in on the Doctor just going insane. And a woman, is, she's clearly been told to scream his name for as long as possible to sink in with the closing music as well. Dark, dark. <laughs> she just keeps going forever. Um, but we get to part two and it's just such a rushed, tied up conclusion. And it's, uh, it's really unclear, I think, what's actually going on sometimes in terms of why the malice is there, how it's controlling people, why is it doing what it's doing. And it's a shame because it's, um, like you said, given an extra episode, we could have, we could have really filled in those quest- those blanks. Yep. Um, and I think it would have been a really good story this one i still really enjoy it though i still really liked it at the end but it does feel so rushed and i know that they had to cut so many scenes to get it into the 25 minutes Mm -hmm. um bracket so there's lots of on the on the dvd that's you know there's lots of scenes that they've cut out and trimmed and all that sort of thing so they could have easily made this a three-parter um which i think it, it should have been really three or four yeah yeah and the cast are good enough that it would have worked you know, I think that the supporting cast are good enough that it would have easily worked as a as a as a longer story. Yeah, because we're just sort of getting yeah. into it and it just all wraps up. Yeah, but it's good though. I like it. I like this one. It it is it is um it is a fairly good story, and mm. um although we're saying that you know it could have benefited from three or four parts, sometimes it is nice just to have a short classic that you can pop on, you know, and it's not going to take you half a day you know, to watch through it. That's if you want to watch it all in one go, that is. Um, so yes, it, 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 it's weird. It's like, um, you know, it's like the lesser of um, two evils, if you like, you know, do you sort of have that sort of convenience factor where it's nice just to be able to spend 50 minutes watching a classic Who story. Yeah. But then on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, we need a bit more fleshing out. So we'd like another part, please, you know, send it back you know, come back to us when you've sorted it out. But so, um, but I like it. It's an, it's a, it's a simple watch. Um, cause uh, the very first, um, episode, like you say, it has got that nice mystery factor, you know, that really it's cool, mm. you know, typical classic who, where, you know, they've arrived 
um, with Tegan sort of, you know, doing a nut as usual because she thinks I've arrived in the wrong time and all the rest of it. Um, and then when they actually go out, you know, and they they discover the church and, you know, we see what's going on with the characters, you do think, well, what the, what's going on? Mm. You know, there's what? like the crack in the wall, these strange symbols in the church, you know, yeah. and these weird guys on horses in like this, um, you know, battle gear from the, you know, 1600s or whatever. There's lots going on in this. Like you mm. said, just really, I think episode one really pulls pulls you in and you're thinking, wow, what's, what's going on? This is a bit crazy. Mm. And there's something about Doctor Who landing in a little quaint English village that I just absolutely love. It. It's just so much of the classic you know, serious, you know, it makes you think like yeah. the Android invasion and the demon and things like that. There's something about the doctor arriving in a little village that just, I just love, you know, I love, love seeing them on real locations as well. Yeah. So I think it brings it closer to home as well. Cause you can imagine that being just sort of up the road, you know, happening, going on <laughs> around the corner from your house or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I read you. It's, um, it, episode one definitely has that, um, that really good story feel to it. Where, I thought it was strong. Yeah, yeah, where it's been written in a way that you can't wait for episode two. You know, when 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 the cliffhanger that the episode one with, um, uh, with Polly, uh, screaming her head off at the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's put his hands strangely in the, <laughs> in the the hole in the in the wall. You know, getting his head blown off by all the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, when when that's finished, you're like, oh man, what's what's going to happen to the doctor now? Is he going to get swallowed up? Zoom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is he going to get swallowed up and spat out, or is he? You know, so that's good. But then, like you say, episode two does go a little bit sort of wayward because um, the feeling that I got is that it it tries to wrap everything up relatively quickly. Because the first sort of ten minutes of episode two are pretty good as well. It sort of follows on that same vibe from the first one, but then after that, they've only got fifteen minutes to wrap everything up. Mm. So they have to sort of answer the question about, you know, does Tegan's grandfather has any, you know, does he have any <laughs> significance to what's going None on? None whatsoever. Not, well, actually he does, doesn't he? But a little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, what's, do we find out what happens to the villagers after the malice has destroyed itself? And all no. that, we don't really know. Do we find out um, uh, what happens to Will? Yeah, you know, do they re, do they rebuild the church? Exactly. <laughs> you yeah, um, you can tell they were short of time though, because the doctor's last line actually—it's—it it's, hasn't even finished saying it before the end credits start rolling. Yeah, he's like something about I like tea or something, isn't it? It's like, well, I like tea for what it's worth. Do you do do do? You know, it's like it doesn't I'm even rough. get time to finish his last line before they're like, quick, get the credits rolling. We've got to wrap this thing up. Yeah, and yeah. it would have been nice as well because uh, the character will he's been sort of transferred over into their time period, hasn't he? Mm. You know, that little sort of country bumpkin sort of weird character. Um, And at the end, it would have been nice to actually see the TARDIS land in 1643, you know, drop him off. But they just sort of close it out by like, the Doctor's like, that's right, we'll drop him off. (laughs) You know, and we just assume that the Doctor's delivered him back to his time period. Okay. So it does wrap up really quickly in that last 15 minutes. Um so yeah, but then again, you know, it's like I said, it's nice to be able to just watch some classic Who without it Quickly. eating up, you know, your entire, you know, half a day. You know, like the War Games, you know. <laughs> which does get mentioned a lot, doesn't it? Every time they say the War Games, I think of the War Games. Yes, uh, Patrick Shelton's story. Yeah. But I agree with you about that because that's one of the reasons I do like this. So this one and Black Orchid. 
um, are two stories that I've just always really enjoyed just putting on. Mm-hmm. And and uh, like you said, they're they're just two little two parters that are quick, easy to watch. Um, this one just has a lot more substance to it, I think. Whereas Black Orchid, uh, you know, I know a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people do. I'm one of those that does. It's it's not a nice little episode that's very different you know uh just shows the crew relaxing a bit whereas i think this one um it's got a lot more to it that's the thing you know it it could have justified another episode whereas black orchid i think is just perfect as a two-parter if you want to call it filler filler but it's i think it's a nice filler whereas this one it it could have easily been extended and and worked i think yeah Mm. but again i do like it for that i think when when we put it on the list I remember thinking, oh, that's good. Nice little two-parter for next week. You know, can get that one watch quickly and and stuff. So, yeah, and that's, in terms of that, it is good. Yeah. Yes. And we also get to see um, uh, some very slight variations to the Doctor's outfit in this one, don't we, that we've I seen I never realised this until until I saw it on Wikipedia. I mean, I noticed the, the, the jumper's different. I, yeah, I'm not, you know, I noticed that. But... I never noticed the other subtle differences before. Maybe because I'm colorblind, I don't know. Because they are pretty subtle, aren't they? They apart are. Apart from the jump. I only noticed the jumper, to be honest with you. Oh, right. Um, because it's like it's, it's quite different, isn't it? It's got quite a big um, sort of thick red. and It's the red, isn't it, with the black stripe through it now? That's it. Um, but apparently his coat's a slightly different shade or something, and he's got green inside the shirt instead of red. And I don't know, there's a couple of very tiny little differences, apparently, yes. which I'd never noticed before. Yeah. Yes. Um, and also, I think his trousers are slightly different as well. Not, oh, in ter- not in terms of how they look, but I'm pretty sure that in the episodes before this one, they had a bit more of a um, sort of slim fit to them, really. Whereas mm. this one, there's a couple of scenes where the Doctor's running up one of the country paths and stuff, and they look, they look quite baggy. You know, they look. Yeah. You know, so I'm not sure if that's because he's put on a couple of pounds at this point, or I'm not sure, but probably. Um, <laughs> Maybe they're just getting them ready for Colin to step into. They're just exactly. yeah. edging them out an inch every every story. Yeah. Um, I always think they look like pajama bottoms. Actually, they do. I, mean, I, I love yeah. the, I love the, the Fifth Doctor's outfit because it's bizarre. I but, love um, it. Yeah, but it is. Yeah. They do look like pajama bottoms. Yeah, I love the Fifth Doctor's outfit and. Um, celery oh. it is cool it's i do like it it's a it's a really good and when he sort of um from out of his pocket pulls out sort of the very thin folded hat oh you know, yeah, the hat, side, yeah you know it's, it's very cool I, I really like the fifth doctor's outfit um mm-hmm. but yes um right so let's talk about some of the um some of the direction and stuff um mm-hmm. i i actually quite like the direction in this because yes. it's one of those episodes where you don't think about it and I think that's a sign of good direction mm. because, you know, when we've picked up on this in the past where it might be too flat or it might be too sort of mundane and it's just like, come on, you know, we need a bit more energy going on and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really notice anything apart from as we get sort of in the middle of episode two, I just didn't notice it. And I think that's a good sign because I didn't afterwards think, well, that was, you know, fairly uh, sort of lacklustre. And at the same time, I didn't think, wow, that sort of blew me away. It was just enjoyable. I focused more on the story and the characters and the, the direction and the editing and stuff just sort of moved nicely along. Yeah, no, I thought, I mean, the director, Michael Owen Morris, uh, was the director. I think he was really quite new um, okay. when he started to this. So looking at the extras yesterday, um, which is quite nice because being two part, I had a chance to watch the DVD extras, which are great, by the way. Um, he's talking on it. And I think this is quite early on in his career. 
Um, and I think he does a fantastic job. And he talks about how he wanted to make it um, more exciting than perhaps some of it was on the page, like the beginning with the horses. I mm. think that was just supposed to start with her wandering around the stables and, you know, and then the horses sort of appear you know, in front of her. And he thought, no, 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 I'll start it with this great running shop. That'll be the first thing you see. And that'll instantly get you into the story and make it more dramatic. And I thought, you know, it's good. I like the way he's thinking. Cause it's like you said, I think some directors would have just gone with the page and yeah. So-and-so is walking around the stables. She sees some horses and he, yeah, he's clearly thought, how can I make that a bit more exciting? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought, I thought the direction was very good. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Considering what he's got to work with. I mean, it's not the easiest story to understand either, really. There's quite a lot going on for a two-parter. Yep. So, I mean, for him to sort of make that work, you know, I say as well as it does, I still think there's quite a lot that, you know, needed more work. But to, for him to make that work, I think he does a really good job, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I agree. Um, and let's talk about a couple of story aspects then. So I quite liked the the idea of an entire village being sort of consumed by this idea that they have to participate in these war games. Yes, I like that as well. That yeah. was cool because initially I thought, well, this has got to be something quite sinister mm. because it wouldn't you wouldn't just have one guy. Because um, I think what what was his job in the village? I think he, he was a magistrate, wasn't he? Is this George? Yeah, or the the other guy, um, uh, Will. Uh, so I know George. Yeah, George Hutchinson. He was um, he's like a magistrate, wasn't he? He had like quite mm. a, you know a, a quite well to do sort of job and stuff. Uh, and I thought it would be unlikely that just a single person in the village would be able to coax everybody into doing this. And you know, as the sort of psychic energy, as the Doctor described, it builds up throughout the story. Um, that explains, you know, his hold over everybody and and all that stuff so i thought that you know this must be something sinister to get everybody you know almost against their will you know to to participate in all this and then when we obviously find out it's the malice and you know all that stuff i thought ah explained so i quite like that concept because i thought it was a joke to begin with so when we see um um uh it's polly isn't it the character name the, the the woman yeah, Polly, um, yeah. Polly, yeah. So at the beginning when she's strolling around the courtyard and then they come in on horseback and, you know, they pretend to like, you know, joust and, you know, you know, spear her with, the, with whatever they're carrying. Um, yeah. I just assumed that that was a little joke, but it actually turns out to be quite dark, doesn't it? Because she obviously doesn't want to take part in all this. She thinks it's ridiculous. Yeah. But then the other people are really taking it seriously and you think, wow. This is quite a dark storyline because at one point they're almost ready to kill her. Yes. Yeah. You know, because they lock her up, don't they? They lock her up at first. And then, Mm. um, uh, and then I think it's Tegan later on or the, no, no, it's the doctor where, um, Sir George basically says to, um, to the, to the, the guy his right hand man sort of hands him his pistol and says, you know, I want him eliminated. Yeah. You know, and you think, wow, they are really taking this very seriously. Mm. So I love that concept. And it's good that we sort of land in the middle of it as well. Mm. Um, because although it might be viewed as like an unanswerable question, like, well, you know, why, how did this all kick off in the first place? You know, it is explained a little bit with um, Sir George having like this sort of medium-esque mind and the malice being able to sort of 
channel that psychic energy into him. Mm. So he's like the he's like the front man for it all. Um, but it's still nice that we sort of land when it's all sort of building up, if you like. Yeah. Which yeah, is what you said earlier, up. that sort of classic mm. who we've landed in the middle of a mystery, what's going on? Mm. Mm. It's a very dark undertone to it, isn't it? Which is, um, yeah, it's in fact, it's a lot darker than I remembered in mm. terms of the sort of the tone. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, but the, the, the interesting thing is they're um, they're under the control of the malice, so they're not they're not aliens invading Earth like we've seen a million times. Right? They're actually human beings that are just kind of they've just got it wrapped up in the in these events, and it's escalated to a point where they're just sort of acting totally like you said. You know, at one time he was a mayor or whatever, and now mm-hmm. he's like doing all this, and they've you know i think that's more interesting because the, the humans have been sort of manipulated into doing all the dirty work for the for the malice yeah um i thought so yeah it's good i, I like the like the undertone of the episode yeah it's mm. quite yeah i i thought the same because uh, i think this, i've seen this one a few times now because it's a it's an easy watch yeah it I, is an easy watch yeah i don't mean in terms of um there's like we've said there's a lot going on but it's an easy watch to just sit down and you know and, and watch through it mm. um and i had forgotten the sort of darker side of it because it also deals with um you know it's almost like it's almost sort of borderline um sort of uh ghost story not a ghost story but almost a supernatural type of story because Mm. um the 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 malice character when we've seen like the 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 plaques on the wall in the church and so on um he's sort of been viewed as over the centuries as like the devil, yeah. you know, this like devil demon character. And then when we see him bringing back almost ghosts, if you like, or projections from another time, you know, where we see those three soldiers that appear in the church, yeah, you know, they're yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, doused in this white light and they look quite creepy. Mm. And then we have the whole concept of um, uh, Sir George, his character almost being possessed almost, yeah, you know, and controlled. So it's it is quite a creepy, sort of darker story, isn't it? For who? I, I think so. Yeah, certainly a lot, lot more than I remembered. I have watched it a few times, but this is the first time I've watched it. Um, I think since I bought it, which would have been a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, no, I like all that, and I love love the malice. I love the way it's actually realised on screen, breaking through the wall. Uh, I think it's just it's just a really that's what sticks in my mind about the story. You know, from when I watched it, when it first aired is that's you know before it was released on dvd and i can enjoy it all over again that's the bit i remember was this devil face in the wall mm-hmm. which at the time i just thought was fantastic i was like god oh, what a great idea you know and, I, and it's so surreal as well what how can that thing be in the church and what's going on you know um i, I think it works well and i do remember thinking about the malice on the tardis wall as well mm-hmm. how that as a kid just like creeps the hell out of me because it looks really creepy, doesn't it? Just the way it's like it's turning heads. its head, yeah. and it's something about it. Even though you just, even though you know it's just a rubbery hand puppet, whatever. It's mm-hmm. something about it. I suppose it's the design of the face, or whatever, works brilliantly because it's so creepy. And yeah, like you said, it's supposed to be like a devil incarnate sort of thing, isn't yeah. it? So yeah, but it is good. I, I think it, I think it stands up fairly well. I mean, you know, considering we are talking about a show that's what. 30 years old now? No, probably more. What was it, 80 something? 84. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, you know, you, you know, it's just somebody pushing the big head from behind through the wall, but I still think it looks really iconic, if you like. Yeah. Well, it is just over 30 years old. Yeah. So, yeah. 
yeah, it may be a bit ahead of its time almost. And um, do you think um, Stephen Moffat might have watched this by any chance? Because that crack in the wall oh. and things coming through it from other timelines sounds awfully familiar and looks very familiar as well. Yeah, it, that um, for, the, for our listeners, if you've not seen this story before, and you know, hopefully after listening to this, you know, you'll you'll go and, and check it out when you see the first. So be- the scenes before they've torn down that bit of the wall and we see the malice behind the wall. That crack in the wall, yeah, it does look awfully similar to a certain Matt Smith story arc. Doesn't it just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, and for those guys that have not um, seen this, if you go on to watch it after this or people that have just recently seen it, isn't it like a smack in the face? blatantly obvious that that's where the moth got the idea from mm-hmm. yeah because things are coming through from different times and stuff and yeah and all that and it's like oh right and the doctor's reaching through it and mm. even the shape of the crack yeah even yeah yeah even the shape even yeah. like the shape and you know it just it's almost almost identical yeah um so <laughs> you would think yeah <laughs> it's one of those sort of obvious things that just hit you in the face and you're like what mm. wow so you know he didn't come up with that idea on his lonesome and i would love to see the malice come back in the new series yeah i think it'd be cool. amazing if they did it now yeah it'd be cool um right and the other sort of um so in terms of story we've sort of gone through it's it's kind of you know although there's a lot of question lots of mini questions being darted around it's a fairly simplistic thing there's the war games going on but it turns out, you know, that this is being contrived by, you know, the malice through psychic energy and so on. One one of the additional story parts that I wish they would have fleshed out a bit more is um, the importance of Tegan's grandfather. <laughs> because when they first turn, that, that's the whole reason for their visit to yeah. Earth, isn't it? Because they've landed at this time period. They're in this village. Tegan wants to see her granddad. Yes. That's the thing. Um, but when they get into the whole when they get into the flow of the story and they they get told or tegan gets told that um by who who's the who's the colonel guy um glenn you know the sort of the colonel guy he sort of comes good in the end wosley wosley yeah i think so um he um he basically tells tegan you know don't worry about your grandfather he's perfectly safe mm. so he's been imprisoned hasn't he for some reason because Turlo gets thrown in with him when yeah, Turlo like gets captured. Yeah, in a shed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we don't know why. We have no... No, that's true. No, we, we don't. We have no clue as to why Tegan's granddad has been imprisoned and is not participating with all the other villagers in the war mm. games. He's just there and he's locked up. Because the whole thing with Tegan, like, shouting, you know, I want, where's my grandfather and, you know, and all this stuff, that doesn't get explained. And then when Turlo and um, Tegan's grandfather escape from the little shed that they're locked in, he still doesn't really reveal himself to be of any importance to the situation. You know, I no. when when we found out that initially that, you know, don't worry, he's safe, I in, in my head I thought, well, he's going to be like a key character. He's got like mm. some sort of, um, you know, loads of, sort of knowledge because the only thing we know about him he's like the local historian isn't he um of the village so we know that 
you know, he's got knowledge of what happened, you know, in these big battles that took place, you know, hundreds of years ago. But I assumed that he had like additional knowledge and additional, you know, because we say that knowledge is power, that he had had additional knowledge about the malice and about this character and about the dangers of it and all that stuff. And so in order to keep him away and not spoil the party, so to speak, that's yeah. why he's been locked up. But we don't get that sort of explained to us, do we? No, no, it's a wasted opportunity that as well, because it almost makes his character redundant. Like there doesn't really need to be, doesn't even need to be in it really. You know, if, apart from the fact that Tegan's saying, "Where's my uncle?" You know, it doesn't doesn't play any sort of important part in it. Um, when perhaps he should. Yeah, like you said, it seems strange that they've brought him in that far, but don't mm. utilize the character in any way really. Yeah, and it's yeah. strange because it, it goes the story goes from one extreme to the other. So mm. we have that very loosely, you know, carried through the story. But then on the other hand, the Doctor is, you know, really explicit about certain things. So the little sort of squidgy stress ball thing, which turns out to be a oh, lump yeah. of metal, like liquid metal. Um, you know, the Doctor goes into great detail um, um, that it's uh, Tin Clavic. You know, and, you know, it's like a sort of precious metal that's mined by the Terraleptils on the planet Raga. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, you and can it, thank Eric Saywood for that, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and it's used for, you know, people um, uh, uh, of the people. Um, it's used exclusively um, by the Hakol. You know, there's people, the Hakol. So we have one extreme where we don't know what the flip's going on, you know, with, you know, quite an important character supposedly in the story but then on the other hand we have like quite a bit of detail thrust at us about a little bit of metal yeah yeah that's true you know so it does it, it, it does sort of fluctuate from one extreme to the other um but you know that's i guess that's you know we have that in who quite frequently don't we where especially in classic who where some things go unanswered and we just have to go with it and stuff like that. And then on the other hand, we have like buckets of detail about, you know, it's the tiniest little thing. Um, I'm just wondering if, uh, if, if a granddad, if a um, granddad had any scenes cut, I don't remember seeing anything on the, when I watched the outtakes of it, I could be wrong. There might've been a bit more of him and Turlo in the, in the prison. I can't remember, but I don't think so, but it does feel like he needed to be fleshed out a bit more. Um, you know, to make him, you know, worthy of being in the episode, mm. if you like. Because even in the, it did make me laugh, even in the scene at the end when she finally gets to meet him, she's like, ah, oh, Mr. Vernon Grandaddy, you know, whatever, in the TARDIS. Yeah. And he gets, he gets his, like, one of his very few lines. And the camera's sort of moving off him before he's even finished speaking. I don't know if you've noticed. He's like, yes, we're something rather in the village and the camera's just <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. not interested. It was offered. To, I think the part was offered to somebody. Um, who's 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 Vestor in the Twin Dilemma? You know that actor. I can't forget his name now. Oh crikey! Yes, I know who you mean. I can't remember yeah. his his the actor's name, but yeah, it, it was. Yeah. I think it was offered to him, and he turned it down. I'm not surprised. And he gets about three lines. Morris Denham is it? Morris Denham. I'm uh, not sure. Anyway, yeah, could be. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he could have done with a bit more. He's probably a bit disappointed when he got the script and saw all his lines crossed out because they hadn't got time to film them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes. Lots of detail on little things. Mm. Um, but in terms of uh, also just sticking with Tegan for a second. Yeah. Um, Go on, do your impression. She gets I've been a, waiting for her the whole episode. She gets, in, she gets captured, doesn't she? And she gets forced to change clothes into like the... Um, 
the old oh. style thing because she's going to be um, uh, queen of the May. Now, am I right in thinking that whoever this woman is who becomes queen of the May, she gets burnt at the stake like a witch? Yeah, pretty much. Is yeah. that right? That's it. Yes, I thought so. See, that <laughs> that's something else that we didn't really get that much detail on. All we know yeah. is she's going to be, you know, she's going to be sacrificed. Yeah. Is what I thought. But then it's not until we see the villagers out on the green, you know, with the big bonfire sort of stuff going on. Mm. Um, so we didn't really see with that, other than Tegan moaning a little bit about it. You know, we, <laughs> we didn't really see any any more it's story funny when she's in that costume although it's quite funny because the scene leading up to it again is quite dark there's a bit where the guy says to her get changed or i'll do it for you and i was like oh, oh God. here we go it's a bit harsh yeah i mean i don't i wouldn't mess with tegan quite frankly yeah. um but uh yeah but when we do when she does do her she sort of spins around in her <laughs> in her new clothes it is funny because it's just because it's tegan and she looks yep. so it's ridiculous off. doesn't she yeah. yeah, she's just like, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you're yeah. going to get burnt yeah. on a stake. But I do like the burning on stake because that's very t- sort of classic horror. That's, you know, there's so many horror films that where people are sacrificed and burnt and all that. And it's, yeah, yeah it's got like um, sort of shades of like the Wicker Man, you know, that old yeah, sort, of pa- Man, yeah. sort of pagan cult kind of thing going on. That's it. Yeah, which is it's quite, it's quite cool. Um, but I just wish they would have, brought that to a bit more of a climax so maybe have tegan actually be tied up ready to be burned but then she sort of gets saved and see and that would have been there. a good that would have been a good cliffhanger if they'd have mm. done like another part that because that sort of would build up to the end of part two wouldn't it yes so that would have been a great cliffhanger wouldn't it it's tegan tied to the yeah. stake about to be burnt you know yeah it would so, have been good yeah. yeah um and then uh right let's talk about some characters first of all let's talk about this character then the malice so yeah. the design, even though it looks quite basic, which you would expect from Classic Who and from the time, um, actually looks really good. I, really, I loved it. Really yeah. like the big because we see him in sort of two, uh, sort of in two uh, incarnations, don't we? We see like the huge stone face behind the crack in the wall. Yeah, and those sort of bright green glowing eyes they look really good i mean you can see it's like a painted black <laughs> circle for the pupil because it zooms in at one point oh that's i think right. it's a yeah. cliffhanger yeah. stuff but um but it, it's really good like it's quite a huge prop isn't it it you know, looks massive yeah it, you know it's it's huge and you know to have it sort of move in the way it does i mean it's a little bit sort of um uh sort of traveling funfair house of horrors kind of thing where yeah. it's got like little smoke machines you know around him and you know smoke's bellowing out but That's it does true. look really good, you know. The I, way they, I loved it. Yeah, the way it moves as well, pretty impressive. And, and the church set's good, isn't it? Like the whole that whole thing that you know, the whole inside of the church, I think, looks really grand. You know, like you said, because the big old face is is big. Mm. So, but the set itself as well that it comes through, I think, it all looks very good actually. Yeah, yeah. the dry ice is a little bit <laughs> of the time, I suppose, but I don't care about that. I thought it looked great yeah, it when he's bashing down the wall. And I love it when Will comes crashing through it as well from wherever he's supposed to have come from. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it's it's really, I think they, 
you know, really tried hard on this. Mm, it's good. In terms of the budget and stuff, yeah. Yeah. And then we see the other version of Malice where he's inside the TARDIS, isn't he? Up on the inside the TARDIS. Oh yeah. He's yeah. up on the wall, isn't he? <laughs> he's up on the wall, and that's really creepy because his the bottom half of him almost looks like a lion or a cat. Yeah. And he's yeah. sort of up on the wall, but his head is twisted round so it's facing it's- the other way. It's horrific. It's yeah, I love horrible. It. Yeah, but it looks and I like great, the fact though. we get. If you watch Tegan in that scene, um, she's doing her best horrified acting for a good old <laughs> minute before we actually see what she's looking at. Because I was thinking at first, I thought she didn't realise she was on camera. Because I was like, "What's she looking at?" She seems to be like doing something different to every to everybody else in that scene. She's like just sort of staring up at the wall, and then we finally get to see what she's looking at. And when we do. Yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? Yeah. it? It just again, it's more the design. I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there. You know, if, if like say one of my friends is to walk in who's not necessarily not too fan, they saw that on the screen, you'd probably go, "What the blimmin' X that meant to be?" Yeah, you know. But yeah. I, but I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, and it's quite gross when it when that green slime pours out of its Poor, mouth. Oh, and stuff. crikey! Yeah, it's horrible. It's a bit grim, a bit grim yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit horror movie. It is a bit yeah. like um like old school pre. CGI horror movie stuff. Yeah. See, I'd much rather have that, the real thing, than CG, because that's actually on the TARDIS wall. Whether you, even if it looks like a bit rubbery or whatever, mm-hmm. that's actually there. That's yeah. what I like about it. Whereas nowadays, it probably would have been a CG. Yeah. It wouldn't have the same effect, would it? Not Because you'd all. just be sitting there thinking, that's a good CG monster. <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah. And the only bit of sort of um, visual effects, really, that we see in this whole story is the little sort of blue blinking squares that appear when we see the psychic projections they look a bit yeah they don't look so good but it's just an overlay isn't it of some lights you know but thankfully we don't get too much of it the sound effects kind of make it work Mm -hmm. because it's like a really weird little tinkling sound yeah but they don't look particularly good i'll give you that Mm. yeah so there's very little in a way of computer effects. effects isn't there yeah which mm. is good so the malice yeah i thought it was a really good character even and what mm. and what i thought made it even scarier was the fact that it doesn't talk yeah it, yeah it's just a face or a being that's there and it's the only way of communicating is via psychic mm. you know so i thought that was a bit more creepy because they that could have really tipped it over into being a terrible episode having this really big evil cheesy horror movie voice booming out Ooh. of it you know so i thought that was good i yeah do you know what i hadn't i hadn't thought of that but it's a very good point actually yeah if, if in episode two it had been like dark blah 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 it would have been just like every other yeah you know um, sorts of, yeah that's a very good point and thought of that i agree I'm, with you i'm yeah. thinking of the uh, the later end of paradise towers <laughs> feed me <laughs> yes i'm thinking feed of that sort me. of five so they could have yeah, gone down that yeah. road so mm. yeah malice is uh, was very very good and the uh, name's good as well malice love yeah. that because it just absolutely suits that thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh let's talk about um uh what about will the the little sort of stick of the dump the guy that's you know terrified of everything yeah, you must remember Stick of the Dump. Stick of the Dump, you? yeah, the Crow Man from Wells yeah. of Gummage, yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. Because yep. that's that's what he was best known for. I don't know if it was before or after this, actually. It, it was... After. Was it after? Oh, no, no, great... It was before, sorry, before. Before, yep. is it? Because I, I think he's a real likeable little character. Um, and we do, you know, we 
we don't get to see an awful lot of him less than I remembered actually he's mm-hmm. not in it as much as I thought but he is good I think he it's very easy to go over the top when you're doing that kind of stupid <laughs> acting uh, but by, by that I mean you know when you're told to act like um a bit of a ear what be going on here then do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. That's how he's been told to act that part. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really easy to do that and, and come across as just stupid and, and laughable. And I think he gets it, he sort of pitches it about right. I think he's 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 good in that role. So I like Will. Apparently there was mild consideration by John F. Turner to keep him on as a companion at the end. Apparently oh. he, he really liked the, the performance uh, from Keith Jane and thought, nah, I wonder if he could work as a companion. I don't think it went very far. But he definitely considered it. Mm. Um, but uh, then he just figured that every episode it'd just be the Doctor explaining to Will what's going on. <laughs> so yeah. he thought, no, we can't do that. But um, but no, I like him. I think he's good. Oh, I wish he's in it a little bit more. Actually, he's quite a cool little character. Yeah, um, he doesn't really um, contribute much. He sort of does a lot of running away, being scared. But the only yeah. he does in he does provide the Doctor with a lot of information, I guess, about um, what was happening in mm. his time period. Um, which is quite useful to the Doctor, I guess. But you know, there is there is cool. a character. I'm just going to mention this while I'm thinking of it because I'll probably forget. There is one character, considering I've watched this a few times, so I've never quite understood what he's doing. Who's the guy with the one eye, like the the guy in the shroud that's running around, uh, like half face man? What's he about? Um, I've never quite understood. Is he just someone that's come through the crack, or is he a is he a projection or? Because he's quite creepy, but he kind of just disappears halfway through episode two, I think. Yeah, he he's the guy that that steals Tegan's handbag, isn't he? Yeah, but what's the yeah. point? Where's he come from? What's the point of him? I I assumed, rightly or wrongly, that he mm. was um, from Will's time period. Oh, okay. He was what he was a character that's been dragged through through the yeah. through the crack. Well, I assumed that, but he, mm. yeah, I just wondered what he doesn't seem to play any part because he's quite a good creepy. Like you get a shot of him creeping up beyond a gravestone, watching events. You think, oh, what's this guy up to? Mm. He's, but he doesn't do anything in the end. So I just wondered again. It seems almost like an idea that's just fizzled out, which is a bit of a shame because, again, in the first episode, it really adds to the creepiness that you've got this thing in the shadows with half a face you know, running away and stuff. So uh, it's kind of a shame that they don't do more with him or even explain him, I don't think. Yeah, he doesn't really... Um, well, that's it. That's all we see of him. Like the first mm. sort of 10 minutes of episode one, he, he, we see him running out the church, don't we? When, mm. when they go over to investigate and then he pops up again and he runs away because it's weird because the doctor chases him and then when he looks up the path, he's like 300 metres up the path. He sort of... The doctor can't explain how he's got that far. So you initially think, well, is he a ghost? Is he some sort of, you know, how did he run that far that quickly? Like one second, he's like, you know, all the way down the end of the road. Yeah. Um, but then you just assume that, oh, he's, um, he's either a, a psychic projection um, or he's, you know, a character that's been dragged through from a different time period. I'm guessing he's a psychic projection. I'll tell you what I love. You know, we often talk about how classic era go to great lengths for minor detail and you know really put the effort in back then that scene you're talking about is a perfect example that the, they've 
painted. They've got a piece of glass because they were because they're in a location that's supposed to be the same location as the church, but it's actually ten miles up the road. <laughs> For that scene where he's running up that little alleyway, yeah. they've gone and got a great big piece of glass, got an artist to paint a miniature church, and positioned it in front of the camera to make it look like the church is at the end of that track. Just because there's when Peter oh, Davidson runs, he yeah. has to be careful not to not to cross over. <laughs> You know, because he would ruin the illusion of the perspective of the tiny church they painted. Right. And I just sort right. of thought, would anyone have even noticed if the church wasn't there at the end of the track? Probably not. But I love the fact <laughs> that you've you 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 so want it to be the same location. You thought we yeah, yeah. we better paint a little church in there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a great yeah. I, I just love that attention to detail with Classic Who. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, and right, let's talk about some of the characters in the village then so we have um Wolsey and willow so we have willow who's like um uh, sir george's right hand man he's the guy that's oh, yeah. taking it just as seriously as um as george and um he's the <laughs> one that wants to dish out a few um slaps a few slaps yeah a sort of um executions if you like and he you know he's i thought his character was quite good he was a bit, bit um uh no, no. Actually, no. I was going to say he hands it up a little bit, but he doesn't really. He's he's quite mm. he's quite cool. Um, I like the fact that he's so into it. <laughs> um, you know, just the only thing I don't like about him is he does seem a bit of a a brown nose to George. He like you know sucks yeah. up to about everything, and he's like you know you get the feeling that he sort of you know cleans his shoes for him and brings him his dinner and yeah and all that stuff. So, but he was not a bad character. No, he's all right. I, was, I think maybe just every now and again he goes a fraction OTT, but he's 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 pretty decent, I think. Yeah. Um, you almost get the feeling he wants to be in charge, really. Yeah. <laughs> sort of waiting for George to move off so he can step it. in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Wolsey is the the sort of older gentleman that mm. he's sort of resisting it, isn't he, all the way through? He his heart's not in it. Yeah. So you can see that he's sort of happy to participate as long as it's just a game. But then yeah. when people start getting kidnapped and held against their will he's sort of not happy about it and um but then he sort of he has a struggle doesn't he He sort of as the story goes through he does get swept away with it and that sort of psychic Mm. energy as he gets stronger you know he does almost shoot the doctor doesn't he at one point yeah Um, i quite like him though because hmm. yeah it does show that he's not you know the others are just it's tapped into their bit of personality where they're happy to go along with it whereas he's got a bit more of a conscience hasn't he than the others so he's not 100% on board, but he doesn't want to be seen as not one of the lads. So he's going along with it, um, yeah. but he's, he's not he's, he's not fully into it. So that, again, creates quite a good dynamic, I thought. And I, I liked his character. I liked his performance as well. He's one of these actors who's got one of those classic faces, isn't he? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He just yeah. fits the part perfectly, I thought. Yeah, and it's good that he comes good in the end, where he sort yeah. of dumps that straw model of Queen of the May. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of dump it and he's like yeah, yeah go on have that go on i'm out of it. yeah um so he comes good he's pretty good yeah he's good um right so george the guy now, who looks like king george the whatever very very old tudor style looking guy with the big sort of curly mustache and the big wig um, he's a bit theatrical but i do like him He's a little bit over the top again, but he, I don't think he goes too far. I, I thought he was quite good as the oh, Panamine Williams doing a disservice actually, but yeah, I yeah. quite liked him. I, I, do you know what I? I struggled with that whether to. 
afterwards, I, when I was thinking about it and writing some notes down, I thought, did you know he's him and um, the guy um, uh, Joseph Willow? Those two, um, I thought that they were right on the cusp mm. of you know if they had have pushed it a bit further, you know we would have been in sort of yeah pantomime territory and yes very yeah. very OTT, but they were just on the line, mm. you know in a few scenes like there's a the one scene when they're out on the green and um, uh, Wolsey has dumped the straw model. And, you know, he's escaping on the cart. And uh, Sir George is like bellowing at him, you know, get after them. You know, at that point, I thought, is he going to go? Is yeah. he going to go OTT? You can see he's bottling it. Yeah, yeah. but he just mm. keeps it beyond, the, you know, just from going over the line. So I'll I, tell you what I would have loved to have seen. I'd love to see him just nipping down the pub with Wolsey and an old... Um, Oh, what's the character's name? Michael Robbins from the Black Hole, uh, from Visitation. Oh, right, just, yeah. Just the three of them in the pub together. How are we, how are we today? The plague is everywhere, didn't yes. you know? I could just imagine those guys together down the pub. Do you know what? This you story can. would have been great if it had had uh, uh, Michael Robbins in it. What was his blooming character name? I've forgotten, but you know what I mean. Yeah. From from uh, from the Visitation. From the Visitation, yeah. So that you're right, actually. Um, that would have been perfect. That would have been great. Because um, the, the story sort of deals with it already because um, the malice is sort of picking people out of different time zones. Um, yeah. So um, you could have... I imagine so, if they'd have brought him back. Yeah. What was the character's name? I can't remember. I'm just looking it up what now. What was the actor's name? It's Michael Robbins. Oh, it's uh, Richard Mace. Oh, Richard Mace. Mace, yeah. yeah that's Richard it. Richard Mace down the pub. The Blig. I hear the malice. <laughs> He's down. He yes. hasn't got the plague. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a they character! They missed, missed a trick there. They could have brought that wonderful character back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the doctor would have bumped into him. Ah, how have you been, plague? <laughs> to see all the plague everywhere. Yes. <laughs> oh crikey! So that, oh man. Yeah. Why? Oh, you know why didn't they? You know why didn't? When was this out? Nineteen eighty-four. Why didn't they consult my four-year-old self? yeah you know on you know some great cameos oh well they they missed a trick there yes so it's pretty good and then we've got polly you know the old woman that is having none of it yes so she's she, she's like the voice of reason in all the insanity isn't she yeah if you know what i mean well along with tegan's granddad who we know nothing about <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that um just thinks the whole thing's ridiculous and has gone too far. Um, but then she actually, because um, she's quite strong to begin with, you know, she's, she sort of stands her ground and she, you know, she stands up to these, you know, the boys who are playing sort of thing. But then, yeah. um, but then that sort of turns into fear, really, because she actually starts to realise that this is kind of more than a game. Mm. Um, you know, she, she starts to get a bit, sort of apprehensive and then when she escapes and then she's with the doctor and they find the man and she's really scared um yeah but no. i don't there's something about um that actress that uh, jane hampton hampton mm -hmm. she's she's really good in episode one like she's very playing it very straight i know sorry her, char her character name is jane isn't it we've been saying polly the whole time oh yeah sorry yeah her character name is jane hampton yeah, yeah her, polly her, james actress name is polly james yeah yeah she's Episode one, she's playing it really straight down the line and she gives a really good performance, I thought. When we get to episode two and she meets up with Peter Davison, mm -hmm. 
it's almost as if the two of them are having a bit of a laugh off set and then they go right here we go guys action because she she seems to drop the seriousness for sort of almost um you know like there's the bit in the TARDIS she suddenly becomes a bit of a sort of comedy character like she shuts the TARDIS door and she I don't know her character just seems to change halfway through to me and she doesn't seem as good in episode two in terms of her performance she seems to be she seems to be taking it very seriously in episode one and episode two she just seems to be having a bit of a laugh um <laughs> even though she's got a lot of screaming to do and i i just i don't know i just got this feeling that her and the cast are just having a bit of fun that day and that she she doesn't seem in the zone somehow in part two is what i'm trying to get to and i don't know why she's still good but her character seems to get more comedy yeah I, I think she gets overshadowed by um the other the other cast members possibly, because, yeah possibly. i think because in episode one her purpose was to um be the sensible one be the sensible yeah you know voice of reason and everything and then when we get into episode two that's just all gone out the window so you know once the cat's out the bag you've just got to go with it yeah um, true. so she hasn't really got much of a purpose after that because you know it's all going on you can't really stop it now incidentally i do like the bit when she shuts the door because because i like the doctor's <laughs> disgusted face that, oh, you know, what so. a great scene yeah yeah she, yeah um yeah his face is like it do you know what How it reminded me of actually his yeah. face reminded me of your face if somebody was around your house picking up one of your doctor who <laughs> yes, collectibles right. or something um i don't think so yeah exactly yeah put that back yeah or if somebody <laughs> picked out one of your dvds and put it in a different spot because they thought the that's where it needed place. to go <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah you're right um but yeah. yeah it's quite a nice scene i like how the doctor then <laughs> turns it around later on and actually says to her could you shut the door and you know so yeah. that, that that's quite nice yeah. yeah she's all right she's quite good polly james polly james yeah she's she's good actually yeah. Yeah, she's all right. She's good. Right, let's talk about our companions. Mm. Uh, Tegan and Tegan and, and Turlo. What a pair, aren't they? What a pair. I mean Turlo Turlo had, you know, next to nothing to do, did he? He gets to rattle some bars on a window in a in a shed. Yeah. And he doesn't even try, does he? He's like he just sort of barely touches them. No, there's no escape from here. And he's, uh, he's, really, <laughs> yeah. he's so troll, isn't he? Um, he does make me laugh, though. He does get a few catty lines, which made me laugh in this. He's because he's so sarcastic, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. He's such a little yeah. But he did uh, he did make me laugh in this when he did get a line. But he only gets about five, so it's quite an easy day on set for him. Really, it was really. I mean, he does. He goes through the motions of what you expect a companion to have to go through yeah. in a story of Doctor Who. So he gets captured, he escapes, and there's a bit of running around and stuff like that. But there's no substance to it. It doesn't no. serve any importance to the story. And it's not like um, it's not like they couldn't have done everything without his involvement. If you know and what I, I mean. You, yeah, and you summed it up earlier. The, 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 the thing that the missed opportunity with this is when it gets locked up with Tegan's the grandfather yes they there would have been something for him to do there they could have had a scene explaining a bit more about why andrew verney has been outcast mm -hmm. they could have had a scene of him escaping they could have done a lot more again probably due to time and the fact they were trying to cram it into two episodes but yeah that's where turlo and andrew verney could have had yeah. a bit more substance yeah yeah um, and then tegan um she's okay actually she i think i quite like some of her scenes where she's quite feisty <laughs> with um with the with uh, uh, Willow, 
jo- uh, Joseph Willow, you know, like the second in command guy. Yeah. Um, she's quite feisty with him and she, you know, she does her usual sort of brash, you know, I'm not having any of it sort of attitude, yeah. which is quite good. Um, she does some very strange running away at one point, you know, the bit just before she gets her bag nicked by the weird face yes. guy. Yes. You know, the way she's sort of running across the courtyard. She's sort of then she all puts over the, the bag in her face as well. It's like waiting for the whole thing. It's very strange. I yeah. thought to myself, somebody has been down the pub <laughs> before this scene started chewing because she's all over the place. I mean, she, sometimes, you know, when you see women running in heels, you think this is not going to end well. Because yeah. all over, it's not like that. Because she hasn't really got heels; they're like little kitten heels. Um, but the way she's running, her, her head's all over the place, and her arms are <laughs> flailing around. Yeah. And you think, bloody hell, what are you running on? Is it hot she coals or something? She seems to have borrowed one of Pat Butcher's gowns for the episode as well. <laughs> it's like this brightly coloured patterned thing. Oh, it's horrendous. It is. That's um, the eighties, yeah, mate, for you. That is the eighties. She's yeah, she's pretty um standard though, isn't she? Um yeah. as Tegan, I think. Uh even when she's not that great, I just find her funny in the episode because she just moans all the time. You know, so I always get a bit of enjoyment out of that anyway. She's definitely a one of life's whingers. I I just never she? get I think the doctor would have dumped her ages ago i never get why she stood on the tardis like if somebody was traveling with you moaning that much i want to go back to london he would have taken her ages yeah. ago he'd be like, oh god enough of this he, he, yeah. he was, how he's not got a constant headache beyond <laughs> me because that voice just goes through especially when she goes into moany mode it's like yeah. oh christ he's already managed to get rid of adric so Here he's we bumped go. one off no yeah. don't he didn't get rid of him Wow, he, it he was, could have gone back and saved him if he'd have wanted. No, he was, he was, he couldn't do anything, could he? With the, he, yeah. by the time he realised that Adric was about to crash into the planet, it was, it was job done. Yeah. See, if that had been the the new series, the Doctor would have gone back to Gallifrey, stole a gun, you know, stopped time, <laughs> froze, froze the, <laughs> froze the explosion, you know, got him out of there and let him escape in a CGI diner. But no, back in the eighties. People died. People actually died. Even the yeah. companion properly yeah. died. Which not, makes, yeah. <laughs> not like, oh, she's dead. No, she's not. Yay. Yeah. She's dead again. Oh, no. No, she's back. She's back, everyone. <laughs> she's back. <laughs> no, in the 80s, people died and they got forgot about yes. almost instantly. Incidentally, that's one of the saddest endings to one of to any Doctor Who story, um, classic mm-hmm. and new combined, because there's no music at the end of Earthshock. Right. It's yeah. terribly sad, even though Adric's an annoying little beep. It's terribly sad. It is terribly sad. Anyways, let's talk <laughs> almost, about... Almost slightly ruined by the fact that they cannot stop laughing at the, when they're supposed to be crying at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But where Tegan's like hugging the doctor going, he's dead or whatever. She, she said on the commentary, I'm just laughing. I'm killing myself here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, talk about the fifth doctor, Mr. Davison, in this one. Um not too bad i think that his heart wasn't in this one i yeah i was gonna say the same and i don't know why because he's he's perfectly good in it mm. but you do yeah you do just get the feeling he's a little bit going through the motions he doesn't feel like he's giving giving it all mm. i almost feel like he perhaps wasn't that fussed about the script maybe um i can't put my finger on it but i'm glad you picked up, up on it as well because that's what i thought mm. it just doesn't seem to be giving his all in this one yeah i thought that exactly those thoughts when i mm. uh, finished watching i thought he's good you know i, I really do like davison as the doctor yeah. i think that 
you know, he didn't have the best stories to work with, but, you know, his performance as the Doctor really liked it. And it, there, there is a couple of scenes, like the one at the end, like we played in a clip where he's, you know, really sort of pleading with um, with George to sort of, you know, fight the malice and, and all that mm. stuff. He's really, he's going for it a little bit there, but the rest yeah. of the time I just felt like he thought, no, nah, I'm not really feeling this story. Yeah, you know, so I'm that's not, what I thought. Yeah, I mean, not maybe not intentionally, you know, because I th- I think that as an actor, he sort of did work hard. Mm. But I think that subconsciously, he's just not giving it his all because he's just not feeling the story, maybe. Didn't yeah. he feel like that with Black Orchid? Yeah, he's, he doesn't like Black Orchid as a story. That's he's right. On the commentary, he absolutely slays it. I think that's the one um, Janet Fielding said that they were – they actually, when they were doing a commentary for a story, they were actually stopped uh, by the people and said, could you try and say something positive? <laughs> I think that was Black Orchid because they were just slaying it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Peter Davison said before that he felt that his stories in, in his second series were were pretty below par. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said, because I think he didn't he say something like, if, they, if my stories had been as good as they were in my final series, I probably would have stayed on or something right. like that. So yeah. I, I felt yeah. perhaps he just didn't quite, yeah, he wasn't gelling with the script on this one so much maybe. He's still good though. Yeah. But I was going to say. Not quite, not quite one of his best, I wouldn't have said. Yeah. He has like the odd moment here and there, some couple of funny little lines and he has that good sort of shouty speech at George yeah. at the end. But overall just um sort of sort of 90 percent there yeah i would say yeah yeah um is there anything you want to mention before we get on to scores my good friend um i'll, I'll just go back to the music very quickly because okay. i mentioned yep. it right at the very start i do think the music's really good in this actually mm-hmm. um it it's um it's very 80s of course because it's the 80s but i think it it's uh it nicely undertones the creepiness of the episode it yeah. doesn't really because there are some i think when we get into the colin baker era where it's just um you know the music stands out too much like mm-hmm. and all that whereas in this it's just kind of playing along with what's on screen it's i wouldn't say it's subtle but it's not in your face either so, so i thought the music was quite quite good um and um the only other thing i would say was about the outtake which became very famous where the horse obliterated the church, um, what do you call it, the entrance, didn't it? Which actually looked really good. I wouldn't have known it was fake until you see the outtake of the horse obliterating it um, on the extras. I mean, that that became as famous as the episode back then because I think Noel Edmonds made a thing of it on one of his very popular TV shows back then. Right. Do you remember all that? Because it was like this really famous outtake from Doctor Who where the, where the horse just bolts off and obliterates the yes. entrance yep. to the church. And it was, yeah, it's quite famous. So I'm glad that's on the DVD extras, which do deserve a mention, actually. I'll watch these after um, watching the two episodes. And the DVD extras for this are brilliant. They are good, actually. There's a, yeah. there's a great making of where they go back to the village and they talk to the locals. It were just um, a characters in themselves, aren't mm-hmm. they? There's a woman who's just chatting through a, through her, like, open doorway <laughs> to the crew she's saying oh we loved it when they filmed we loved doctor when they filmed here um the extras are brilliant they're so worth watching and one of the best ones is the guys who made the malice mask yes. they yep. they get them back together these two guys and they they've got the original mask there and mm-hmm. um, which has been bought by a private collector and they just get to see it and they're like really like proud of their work aren't they and they're like oh this is i can't believe it's in such good condition this is amazing mm-hmm. and then we get to meet the guy who actually bought it 
who now has it hanging on his front room wall. That's right, yeah. That's yeah. brilliant. You get to see the malice face on this guy's, um, you know, front room wall. And I just, I know, I bet you're thinking the same. I was thinking, oh, I would love that. But you'd never get away with it. You'd never get away with it. No. But I was, I was there when he, well, I don't know the guy, but I was at that auction when he bought it. Because I, I, I saw, I noticed you looked to the side of it, you can see the Bohm's program. I was there and I've got a picture of the, malice face from the auction so oh, i would have been there when he bought it which is nice but yeah i think he paid like three and a half grand for it so i wouldn't have i would have been outbid <laughs> it was a bit pricey wasn't it it was yeah. but i wasn't bidding that day but that's really good um no uh, overall i think we've pretty much covered it the only thing i would say is um yeah i felt it, it, it there was potential that perhaps didn't get tapped into but otherwise it's a good story yes right yeah. let's move on to scores buddy yeah I think it's my turn to go first. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you were going to do that. I love it. I forgot. I, I think it's my turn, I think. It is your turn. I think, I think, I think. Right, The Awakening. I'm going to give this a 6.5. 6.5? 6. 5. 6. 5. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wrote 6.5 yesterday. <laughs> but <laughs> As we've been talking it, I've scribbled it out and changed it to a 7. Oh, okay, which, right. which now feels too high, but I'm, no, I'll stick with it. I'll go over seven. Probably a little bit too high for it, but I do enjoy this one. Yeah, I'm going to go over seven. Go with your gut, mate. You feel it's yeah. a seven? Yes, I'm going yeah. with seven out of ten. Yes. Yeah, I liked it. Enjoy this one. Um, I gave it a six point five because I think it's a it's a it's a good little watch and stuff. But I feel like the potential, if they'd have gone on to three, possibly four parts, it could have been a much grander, you know, more fleshed out story. Mm. so i think it's a good watch it's you know recommended you know if you've got an hour to kill yeah um but yeah it, i feel like it just could have been a lot more it could have and also yeah. we don't get to find out like i said it almost even when it ends we still got so much story almost to wrap up because they they decide they're just gonna have a little break in little hodcomb don't they they're like oh well let's just stay and relax for a while and <laughs> we'll drop old will off when we get five minutes and so you almost feel like you could there's a little adventure there that we don't get to see actually yeah, yeah. maybe big finish could could uh tap into that one get will back there you go that would be good yep. yeah right let's see what you lot thought of it i've uh, got one audio clip in this week um this is from our good friend uh louise loopy lou ah fluffy fifth my first doctor i've only seen this one once before this week the story was okay I like the timey-wimey thing of 1984 linked with 1643, and I can accept the psychic projections caused by the malice, but the war games part of it wasn't really believable enough to me. Possibly the actor's fault? I don't know, I just didn't get the sense of the malice's effect on Sir George and co. There should have been more evidence of evil influence there. It was definitely watchable though, so I give it a 6 out of 10. Now time for a cup of that evil brew tea. That evil brew, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Lou. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lou. Uh, six there. Uh, over on Twitter, um, uh, our friend Lewis, um, Twitter name at Gargantuan Apple, um, oh, yes. says uh, he didn't give us a review, but um, we, he posted a nice pic of the, um, of the DVD in the tray ready to be watched. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, that's uh, great. Which is cool. Uh, Michael Herbert says, um, basically, it's an inferior remake of The Demons without Bok. 
Ooh, I see where you're coming from, but I think a, mm, no, a little bit harsh. Mr. Herbert's, yep, that's a bit of a stinging uh, mm. thing. It, it's, in terms of uh, sort of visuals, it is quite Actually, similar. There is, there is a, now, now I think about it, there is quite a few comparisons, there is. isn't there? Like the maypole, the, the, the big cross the in the village statue. square. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it, but oh, he might have got something there, but okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, over on Facebook, Charlie Turner says, there's not really much I can say about this one uh, when compared to last week's episode. Uh, I like the first part, but I don't like the second part. Uh, what saves it from being called a bad story, in my opinion, is the performances. Uh, mm. They are so good. Overall, a good story, so give it a 7 out of 10, um, which sounds about right for the story. Um, like this, which I think might be a bit too generous of me, but that's the best that I can give. Yeah, he's right about the cast. They mm. are they are good in this. Yeah. yeah. Mark Atkinson, uh, an okay sort of filler episode, really. Lots of similarities to the demons. Uh, mm. In my mind, um, Will would have made a great companion. Uh, it's a shame he didn't get to join the TARDIS crew. A decent episode, but nothing spectacular. Seven out of ten. Uh, cheers, Mark. Uh, Nick Gill. Hi, Nick. Uh, it's an interesting one, though uh, far from being my favourite Fifth Doctor story. Uh, very sinister undertones if you delve a little deeper into some of the Civil War stuff mentioned. Um, the fate of uh, the May Queen is particularly unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Um, I hope I'm saying this right. Uh, Lachlan McGowan. Uh, an interesting filler story. Uh, between Warriors of the Deep and Frontios. Uh, I really like the malice. I remember when I first watched it, I thought it was very convincing. Uh, not so much on the rewatch. Uh, the story is good, but nothing special. And performances, though, are great. So seven out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Joseph Howarth says it's a good, um, but nothing special. Sorry, it's good, but nothing special in terms of story. Uh, the malice is quite a memorable creature in Doctor Who. And I have to say this was one, uh, this one was quite brutal. Uh, compared to other stories from Davison's era, uh, mm. just the, sh the shot of Sir George being killed by beheading. Is something oh, that yeah, hasn't I been about shown. That. Yep, that was harsh. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, it happens off screen, but it doesn't detract from the fact that it was still a violent scene at the very end. We forgot to mm. mention that. Yes, and I remember. I, well, it is quite shocking actually, because I remember thinking, "Oh, even though you don't, like you said, you don't see it, it's very clear what's just happened, and you do sort of see the aftermath." Mm. Yeah. Mm. Indeed. Uh, he goes on to say um, he does feel for Sir George. Uh, so he feels he's a lousy villain. Seriously, his motives are explained in the last part uh, and beyond that. But he has no purpose of serving the malice other than I must have power if I am to serve under the malice. Uh, the war games <laughs> must go on and that's it. That's literally his whole purpose in the story is to shout at the top of his lungs and look mm. like a 17th century version of Captain Hook. <laughs> uh, that and his acting is wooden uh, other than that um, it's about the only bad thing about it the story however takes its cues from the demons and it's very atmospheric and creepy enough to give the rating of a 7.5 alright good good stuff George Coppin says love it it's my favourite fifth doctor story should really give it another watch soon 8.5 excellent uh, Callum Johnston darker than I remembered 8 out of 10 yeah, it is. It's darker than I remember, yeah. Yeah, Sammy Satine. Okay, so they go to visit Tegan's grandfather and end up stopping a stone alien face called the Malice um, from destroying everything. It's okay. Mercifully, it's short. Nice crack in the wall. Where have I seen that idea before? Yes. Oh, yeah. Series five. Uh, is this where the moth got the idea from? 
A big old question mark there, Sammy. We're all mm. asking. Uh, mm. Tegan wasn't as annoying in this, but I was distracted watching it. And to be honest, I think it's because the story didn't grip me. An unfortunate thing with Fifth Doctor stories, I like Davison. I think he seems like a lovely man, and I really enjoyed his recent interview in the Doctor Who magazine. However, as good as he is, I always find his Doctor a wet dishcloth. <laughs> uh, I used to rate him higher, but since watching more of his stories, his Doctor has gone down in my opinion. Sorry, Peter. And she gives it a five out of ten. Oh, okay. Cheers, Sammy. There we go. Jeff Waddle says, uh, very middle of the road. The malice is a good idea, but never really explained. Uh, strangely, for two episodes, there's barely enough story here to fill it. Um, could and should have been quite hammer horror-ish uh, with burnings and possessions, but kind of just fizzles out with little threat. Five out of ten. Oh, okay. And Cheers, lastly, uh, Lewis Palmer says, I used to enjoy this one, and on a rewatch, my opinion hasn't really changed. Uh, it's a decent, entertaining 50 minutes of Who, but it doesn't have uh, it doesn't leave much impact when it's over. Um, I like the character of Will, but I am glad he didn't come back as a companion, um, as they intended originally. Uh, I feel that Sir George is more annoying than anything else, and he wasn't the best villain. Speaking of annoying, uh, Jane got on my nerves fast. She was fine at the uh, at the beginning, but as the story progressed, she got worse. Malice was a great idea. Um, I had to laugh when he looks like he's being sick at the end. Mm -hmm. um, the story does feel like a lesser version of the demons, however. Uh, and the whole thing of Tegan and Turlow escaping and then getting caught and then escaping again got quite repetitive. Overall, decent, enjoyable. Uh, sorry, but it certainly won't go down as one of the best. A 7 out of 10. Uh, he says, a side note, why are the end credits purple in this story? Not sure what that's about. Oh, aren't they? I don't know. See, I'm colorblind. I, I didn't notice. Are they different? They are, but I haven't thought about it in any more detail. Yeah, why are they? I'm not sure. No, no. If anyone knows, let us know. Uh, did the you malice influence. Yeah, did you have anything on the Geek's handbag? Yeah, I had a couple. Yeah, I had um, Patrick Sherwood has literally just come in with his comment one hour ago. He says, uh, I love this story. It's okay, but not one of the best Fifth Doctor stories ever. He gives it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Andy Escott Carrington says, what a great name, says, this story has a special place in my memories from growing up. Locations are close to where I live, so I have visited a few times. Oh, I would like to visit them. Um, and even a run through half marathon through Shapwick. Love the design of the malice. The very English May Day celebrations are overall a fun and very English episode. What could be more classic who gets a 9 out of 10 from Andy? Ah. I would. He lives close to the location. I'm a little bit jealous. I'd okay. love to go there. Um, Matt Vernon says, I really like this one. The large cast is managed well. Everyone is on good form. And it has a joy to it for what is a dark story, really. Yes, very true. And finally, Mark Daniel Mooney says, a solid good two-parter. Ah. Pretty solid. Um, I meant to ask you, did you watch the extra with Chameleon? That's uh, the outtake that they, they filmed, but... But cut. That cut. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, because they has got um, Peter Davison and Mark Strickson provided the voice for him <laughs> in the studio. It's really funny. Yeah. You can see why they cut it, can't you? It's terrible. Yeah. Well, do you know I what? Mean, that... Comedians can't stand up. They sort of lent him against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's um, that's probably one of the reasons why he was cut with more of a production thing because yeah, they they don't explain why he's not there in a few stories. No, that's he just right. disappears, doesn't he, for a while. Yeah, he's just tinkering around in the TARDIS. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. Yeah. yeah weird um, thing. So thank you very much, guys, for saying in your thoughts and stuff on The Awakening. Um, yeah, just to summarise, it's not one of Davison's best, um, but it's a, it, it's a good enough watch, I would say. It's a reasonable watch if you've got an hour to spare. 
it's an interesting oddity, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Next week, we are going back to the future or back to the recently just gone. Great <laughs> um, Scott! Great Scott Marty! Um, and we're going to be looking at a 12th Doctor story. So, buddy, what are we going to review next week? Oh, goodness me. Mm. Uh, next week, we are going to be reviewing Kill the Moon, uh-huh. which we didn't review back then. Um, so, yes, it'll be the first time we've reviewed this together. Um, Kill the Moon. Cap- yeah. Capaldi. The moon is an egg. The moon is an egg, of course. Good Lord. Yes. What are we going to make of that? So hmm. get your Blu-rays and DVDs out on that one. Yeah. Um, get that watched so you can send us your thoughts and reviews on that. Yes. <laughs> and I think we're going to do there 412. Okay. Thank you, as always, for sticking with us and listening through. It's quite a long show, this one. Uh, I think we had quite mm. a bit of news and merch to go through. So um, if you're still here, how do you do? <laughs> Thank you very much for, um, for getting through this long. Um, it's been great um, talking through what's coming up uh, mm. for Class and Doctor Who. Even though our opinions are slightly different and all the rest of it, that's still good because at least we're engaged. And it's not just a case of meh or we'll catch it later yeah so, um, <laughs> catch see you later yeah. yeah so it's good that we've got some info and some trailers and whatnot coming up so that's all good um, give us your thoughts on this um, Eagle Moss mega Dalek situation whether you think it's worth the cash worth the worth the bunts or not if you've got one let us know if you've got one of these um, bronze Dalek um, mega statues from, uh, from Eagle Moss let us know what the quality is like and so on um and also, thank you very much again for your thoughts and reviews on The Awakening. Sorry, Mr. Davison. What's <laughs> <Is> that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Davison. It's all good. Next week, Kill the Moon. It's going to be an interesting review. I can yeah. feel it. I can feel it already. That it's going to be, um, yeah, uh, an up and down review. I can feel it. Mm, I think it might, yeah. Yes. Head over to our website www.bigblueboxpodcast.com you can listen to all of our previous episodes and you can link off to all of our social stuff and follow us and like on there because we often converse and talk rubbish in between (laughs) podcasts and all that stuff and you can also link off to iTunes and subscribe there and if you are an iTunes listener if you could give us a review and a rating that would be fab because it helps us out lots remember to check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag do a search for The Geek's Handbag on YouTube and Facebook. Give Adam's channel a like and a follow and all that jazz. And subscribe. Got some great videos there. Some great, great stuffs. Sure. Sure. You won't like the new one. Is it Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 99% Doctor Who, but the next one is Star Trek. Okay. I said it quite. For Who fans and Trekkies alike, go and check it out. Mm. Right. Until next week. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... 